Before we start this week's episode, we have one new patron we have to thank, Jim Maine. So thanks a lot, Jim. Now let's jump into this week's awesome episode. How's it going, everyone? And welcome to the Bench Time Podcast with Todd and Brett Wiley of HO Scale Customs. Real quick, before we get started with this week's exciting episode, I just wanted to thank all of our patrons because you guys definitely keep our show running and keep us being able to do all of this content. So if you want to support the show, head on over to patreon.com forward slash HO Scale Customs and find out how you can help us keep the lights on for this show. Um, and with that, I'm going to hand it over to Todd, who's going to bring our guest on. Hey, uh, hello everybody, and we have a special guest. It's oh, during the Christmas holiday. We were, uh, you know, it's kind of hard getting guests. Everybody's been, been been busy. We talked about that before, uh, but now we're back on the, the schedule of getting another guest on, and uh, we got a doozy tonight. We have Bob <laughs> Van Gelder from uh, South River Model Works, uh, the big, the red box kids, the big people. red boxes. That's right, and uh, you know, I'm you know. Most of our listeners are well aware, Bob. How welcome? Uh, how are you? And we're glad. Thanks to have for coming you. on. Well, it's really nice to be with you guys. I tell <laughs> you, um, another perk of retirement. I can just talk and not work. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, everybody loves your kiss. One of the one of the my one of our guests that we've had on many times is uh, Doug Fiscali, and. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And Doug has told us in the past that one of the kits that he's got on is he's built. I guess he has some of your kits, and uh, he has not. He doesn't always have a lot of time to build because of you know business. And uh, yep. he said that he has been saving those red box kits <laughs> uh, because he's really excited <laughs> to dig into them and uh, start doing some building. Now I know he's started building his his layout already because we went up to visit him in his shop and. And uh, he showed us his new layout. He's starting. He's finally doing some work for himself, besides his, you know, some fun work. But uh, I'm sure that he'll be building some of yours, and I, maybe he'll be listening here today to 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 the cast. But everybody we talk to, we go to the Timonium they show. They all told us to have you on. Yeah, we had the Craftsman Courtyard thing for the first time. We did cool. with uh, cool. with the uh, with uh, uh, Jimmy Dignan. I'm sure you know Jimmy and oh yeah, and yeah. And, um, and then of course. Uh, Jeff Grove from Carolina Craftsman Kits, and um, they put together this uh, uh, Craftsman Courtyard thing at the Timonium Show. This is the first time we did it in November. All Craftsman Kit manufacturers and and um, you know fine scale detail type things, and um, and it made a big section of the show. And many times, all I heard about from our people, we were there building, was how you are. Uh, they they love they love the they wanted to us and, to get you they on. They like to have you on, so and they love your kids. So, um, and we're, so like I said, we're glad to have you on. What got you started? In when did you start in model railroading? I'm sure. Um, oh, model railroading. Yeah. 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 Well, you have to go way back if you bear with me. Okay. <laughs> uh, first off, um, okay, let's go back to like the early fifties. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, I, I'm not ashamed of my age. I'm going to be seven. No, no just, okay. it's just a number. So, <laughs> it's a good number. Yeah. But for the first 10 years of my life, okay, we had a farm in, in uh, southern New York. Okay, And the people know the area. It's Rockland County. And this was before they uh, put the Tappanzee Bridge in, which oh, connected okay. basically upstate New York to New York City. It was the boondocks. We lived in a town called New City. The main street was a dirt road, 
in, the, in, in New City, which was, which was the county seat. Mm-hmm. And we had a farm, and you had to go down a half-mile dirt road through the woods to get to it. I was isolated, which is really the kind of environment that builds modelers. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, had to, I had to basically you know, get along on my own. And the first thing I did was I was always building stuff. And when it started, kind of, I was five years old, we went to a bingo uh, thing, and I had a bingo card. And I won about a four-by-four-by-four four four box full of Tonka toys, if you can believe that. I mean, oh. for me, it was like winning a lottery. And immediately started building what was called my throughway, which was just playing the dirt around this forsythia bush, which is in our driveway. Uh, by the way, it was a poultry farm. We had orchard. We had uh, <laughs> drops, vegetables, all that stuff. And uh, but I was pretty useless because I was a kid. So you know, I played all the time. And uh, so models. And I started building models. Mm-hmm. And uh, my folks bought me a train set, which actually was kind of disaster. It was a uh, <laughs> American Flyer. It didn't work very well. I couldn't get it to work. And, uh, but I got so interested in building things. I was building kits mm-hmm. and uh, mostly cars and airplanes. But I started, oh, about nine or ten uh, building buildings from scratch. Oh. And like putting up clabbers one at a time. <laughs> Even that. Whatever the scale was, I don't know, it kind of resembled O scale. At the same time, I was building on a bench, I was starting an HO layout, which was just a loop and some, and some switches and stuff. And of course, I right. couldn't get anything to run. And, uh, <laughs> you know, trying to run off the edge of the table, onto the yeah. concrete floor in the basement and break. And <laughs> I spent hours and hours in there. And uh, that actually segued into our moving to Massachusetts, uh, we lived around a few different places because my father wanted to look for another farm. He was working for a defense contractor, but he wanted a country place. So we ended up in Conway. This is now 61 or 2. Mm-hmm. And just outside of my leaving for about 20 years after high school, uh, um, this is where I've been. Um, but model routing just followed me all around. Um, I didn't do much through college. Uh, I got a bachelor of science degree. I was a master potter and printmaker. I had my own uh, studio out of uh, undergraduate school for a couple of years. And the first Arab oil embargo came up. Mm-hmm. You know, everything went south. I moved right. to Colorado and uh, just to hang out and see what I could do. And got a bunch of part-time jobs. And one was at a hobby store. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Everybody's dream on. job in this hobby, yeah, right? You know? Exactly. Just a way yeah. to spend more so, money, right? <laughs> right, right. Well, there, I, I, I met some incredible people. I don't remember the guy's name, but the University of Colorado had in their art department, which, incidentally, I tried grad school there twice and kind of washed out because I didn't show up for class. But... <laughs> um, there was a guy there who taught scenery mm-hmm. class at our at our shop. We had classes that we ran, and he taught this at the university. This guy was unbelievable. It was all like Colorado narrow gauge stuff we sent to. He could do rocks and plants and all that in the detail, like just unbelievable. All I remember about him is he lived in a trailer 
like a, a, a not a travel trailer, but a residential trailer. Right. And he was he was very he's he's a real serious evangelical. That's all I remember. Uh-huh. He almost never laughed. But he's dead serious about this this well his religion and his model building. That's all that mattered to him in his life. And he left a really heavy impression on me. Of course, at the same time, I discovered Caboose Hobbies in Denver, uh-huh. which is still one of the best hobby shops in the country. Hmm. I've not been, but and, I've heard that. Yep. Oh, it's a terrific place. Hmm. And they've, they've been great friends, you know, for, for decades. Huh. So, you know, that came about. Okay. So, okay. So I'm there until 77. I moved to, uh, back to Massachusetts. Uh, I'm feeling a little isolated as a studio artist. So I decided to become a landscape architect regional planner, enroll in grad school. And there I meet, I have like two best friends in the hobby. Well, actually many, but the right. three guys I've connected with so much. Um, you probably never heard his name, but my, I got to mention Mark, Mark Gianet, who I met, we were grad students together at UMass in Amherst. And after about a year there, lo and behold, discovers he's a model railroader. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's and great! And we haven't we haven't let go of that whole yeah. thing since 1978. You know, so oh, just wow. got going again. So we 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 got, both got out of grad school. Uh, I'm doing the, the you know buying stuff by mail order and piling it up in the closet. You know, not getting anywhere. And uh, early 80s, uh, we buy our first house. Of course, I wanted the basement and incidentally a house. And uh, never got to do anything because I'm, I'm I'm going from job to job. I sure. ended up segueing into architecture. I spent years at the drafting board doing engineering and design, and uh, finally got into a more independent situation, which moved down to Maryland, where I finally got to do my first layout. And I didn't have much room; it was a condo, one of those three-level condos in the basement. I did a little five foot by two and a half foot. HON two and a half layout. I was intrigued by narrow gauge from having lived in Colorado. I mean, I used Uh to drive all over the state before all these places came tourist attractions, you know, the ghost towns, Black Hawk, and all that. And, uh, and, 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 and taking cars down old road beds. And, and, uh, so anyway, narrow gauge was just, you know, I was just infatuated with it. And by uh, sort of HON two and a half, I can get the most bang for the buck in the space. So I built this little layout, and I submitted it to uh, to Narragate Shortline Gazette. And I got a little article somewhere. Oh, that's great! Somewhere in the late eighties or nineteen nineties, something like that. Mm-hmm. Bob Brown, such a nice guy to do that. And uh, I, I promoted a couple other people who weren't getting their stuff published, and he published it for me for them. Right. And uh, he actually came out and saw me with um, oh, with a guy, uh, Charlie Getz. Okay. And uh, and we went around three or four buildings that became kids, and they were just thrilled because they didn't they didn't see much of that happen, yeah. you know, in their in their career of looking at stuff, you know. Yeah. And uh, so okay, so up to then, and then uh, you get to the late eighties, okay, and. Uh, the name Charles Keating ring a bell? <laughs> oh, Back wow. crisis? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. If, you're, if you're in housing, you know, you weren't in a good place. Right, right. right. 
Exactly. So things started to fall apart. And I'd made a deal with the company I was working for, which is Acorn Structures, that I'd spent three years down there. It was 85 to 88. And they'd move me back to Massachusetts. Right. Just in time for the meet a financial crisis head on. So, <laughs> Remember that? Oh my! Oh, it was it was you know I'm 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 driving a three hundred dollar car, <laughs> and uh, the doors wouldn't close, and we just bought a house you know in another oh. place, but with the place we're in now, which needed a lot of work, mm-hmm. and I'll get into that. And uh, so, I mean, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And uh, I'm fussing around. I started teaching. At uh, undergrad and grad courses, an adjunct professor, right. and uh, so that goes one year, two year, and around the end of the second year, um, I went. This was 1990. I went to the Amherst uh, Model Railroad Society show. Yep, There's the, the big show time. in Amherst. Yep. Yeah, I mean, what a show! I mean, mm-hmm. God, you know, I'm just like, whoa. So I, there, I <laughs> met Al Pills of Greenway. I don't know okay. if you run across him. He's I have not. a regular at um, at Howard shows. Okay, heck of a nice guy. Right. At the time, he was also um, um, uh, carrying yelling guy carrying Clint Crow's work. You familiar with him? Um, uh, I'm not C. familiar. C. Crow? Uh, okay. I've heard the name though. Yes. You 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 should look up his work. Okay, okay. Clint Crow interesting guy he is one of those master master craftsmen that people don't hear enough about and he was making plaster patterns oh and clint was like publishing all his stuff all his techniques mm-hmm. in mainline modeler okay and uh i kind of glommed onto that for two reasons one because whoa you know i thought this is really cool he's hand carving them but I started doing something like that with plaster, but not, but just as a project did as an, an art school as an undergrad. He was, he was hand carving his, I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt. He was hand carving his, his plaster molds. He's hand carving the patterns. Oh my. One brick at a time. Oh my goodness. Jeez Louise. Yeah. Which huh. is what I did. Oh Yeah. And I, I was doing the, the prelims to that in the early 70s as a grad student, I mean, as an undergrad student, excuse me. And I was, I was taking plaster and I was for a bandsaw, making patterns and hand carving on it and saying, geez, this is something I can probably turn to something, kind of put it aside. And he kind of reawakened this thing in me. And at the same time, I had, I had to bring my wife into this. It was <laughs> Dunning, dunning me for like about 10 years prior to that. Bob, go into business for yourself. You can do it. I said, no way. I'm going to fail. I'm not, you know, me? Do a business? you got to be kidding. You know, you got to be <laughs> Bill Gates to succeed in business. Yeah, it's a scary Bill prospect. Gates. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, and I was, you know, I just need the security of a, you know, someone paying for my health care or whatever, yeah. you know, giving sure. me a paycheck. Yeah, hey, you don't need so, to put your neck on the line and worry, have to worry about everything else, you know? Oh no, no! Yeah. I mean, I would—I tell people I'd be dragged kicking and screaming. <laughs> <laughs> really, I mean, so but so everything's going on. So I'm still working for Acorn. I'm teaching at UMass, and um, I met Al Pills. And I seen the stuff, and I at the time I saw him and saw Clint Crow's stuff. 
I had a drawing with me. I did some perspective drawings. I know how to draw because I thought it was art classes and sure. you, know, like you learn in architecture school. Well, architecture that. school, so, and absolutely. I'm seeing the so background I had some, here. Some pretty good sketches. Actually, there's right. perspectives of Delabar Tap and Die, the building for our first kit. Ah, I was going to ask if that was your first kit. Yep. That was my first kit, and I, I drew it back in late 89, 1990. And I showed it in early 1990. I showed it to Al Pills, and he said, "I said, Al, you think this this has this could get you know have any legs to it?" He says, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." So I felt encouraged, but I kind of I had a lot to do, and I didn't get to stuff until about oh late 1990. And by the first week of January, I had made one pattern uh, by hand carving it in plaster. Hmm. which was, has always oh, been my method. And I, each individual brick, and there was like 18 patterns to do for for um, this building. Mm-hmm. And I had it all kind of scoped out. So I took the one pattern, and I went over to uh, my ninth kit, which is Lamson Goodnow, with some paints and stuff, and sat there in front of the place and painted and weathered these walls and figured out, ah, I got it finally. You know, I stuck a couple of windows in it. And I went to see another guy I knew, but it turned out I didn't really know. And his name is Bob Buck. And Bob Buck had a shop in Warren, Massachusetts. Unbeknownst to me, Bob was, was, was the local, oh God, this guy like the, the king of all things. He was the one <laughs> who ran the Amherst Model Railroad Society show. Oh, wow. I didn't have a clue. So I go in there with this drawing in this one wall, and he looks at it. And if you meet Bob Buck, his, <laughs> he had everything in his shop. And you look through the back room and his draw, his roll top desk. He looked like in his desk like the cartoon shoe, uh-huh. the guy shoe with the desk with all. Yeah, I remember that. And, oh yeah, yeah. I don't that, 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 that exist anymore. Oh yeah. okay. So, so Bob looks and says, "Oh, you know." Wow, this is really good. You should, you should, uh, you know, you should, might, you should consider bringing this to the Amherst Model Railroad Society show. And I had seen uh, uh, Al Pills a year before. I knew about the show, and I said, "Oh, sure. come on, but I, I couldn't possibly get into that show." <laughs> and then he sticks out his chest, and you can see him snapping his suspenders if he had any. He goes, "Well, I run the show." <laughs> and I said, "Really?" He says, "Send me a letter tomorrow." Today, he says, saying you want to be in the show, and I'll get you in. I said, but Bob, I only got three weeks to finish up this, <laughs> my patterns. He looks at me and says, not my problem. Turns around and walks off. <laughs> Literally. Oh, that's funny. Oh, so I spent over 100 hours a week for the next three weeks. Mm-hmm. In that time, I did the rest of the patterns in, the, in our laundry room upstairs, which is where my, my business was for the next four years, oh, no. and uh, built a display model. Mm-hmm. Um, I got into the show. I raced down there on, on Saturday morning with enough time to stop at a copy shop and uh, draw a business card, <laughs> copy it like 20 times on a copier, scissor it, <laughs> tape it onto a sheet. And copy another twenty times, and <laughs> put it up again. The paper cutter. And I had a stand. So whoever, for light. Who, somewhere, someone, and a some, box to put the 
Yeah. I was going to say some, someone somewhere out there has the original hand-cut, handmade um, business, guard. business cards from you. <laughs> oh, really? I, well, I'm sure. We're just guessing. It's cool yeah. to think that maybe somewhere one of them might still exist. That's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you know what someone ought to do. I mean, I, I don't be, I don't mind if someone does this, but someone wants, uh, actually, one of his fans, some, someone wants put a uh, peanut butter sandwich on eBay with George Shelley's <laughs> face on it, <laughs> or like one of those, or like one of those. Um, they take it off, of course, but uh, one, one of those, uh, like, like those pieces of toast that looks like it was someone's like face. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Look, this I is a, with a card or something, a thousand dollars, or whatever. So, yeah. so what you're saying is, yeah, yeah. Now, what you're saying is that you, you know, you you had very modest means at this. You know, you were new to this, getting into this, and you know, it's a new business, oh, and yeah. and so so you're going with the you have very little time to work with, and and um, you know, and you're trying to produce something to get it ready for this big show. And uh, so you, it's fun to look back on what where your very beginnings are in anything we do, regardless of this. Um, so that's that's a really that's that's pretty cool. So please continue. Well, anyway, it, 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 it's you know, so you see how I kind of you know it humbled and I stumbled into it. Yeah, right. So I'm 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 there. I open up, and even before the show opens, it's like I'm I'm, I'm looking up, and there's Dick Elwell. Uh, okay. <laughs> There's a big smile on his face looking at me. And he says, says Lou Sassy told me I got to get over here right away and see this building. I'm thinking, my God, Lou Sassy and Dick Elwell. Wow. Yeah. You know, I've really hit the jackpot here. <laughs> you know? That's a big day there. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What a big day. Uh-huh. And uh, so, um, you know, I was mobbed during the show. Well, that's awesome. During that show, or I'd say in the aftermath, um, and <laughs> keep in mind, I'd, I'd worked in business, other people's business, for about oh, eight, ten years. And I watched, um, well, put it this way, I, I think Ivy League schools produce some really, really fine people. But there are some who, bottom, who graduate at the bottom of the class, <laughs> <laughs> and they still get jobs. Being running places, and they got jobs running the places I worked for. Right. And I watched them run their businesses <laughs> into the ground that yeah. I worked for. At both places I worked for went bankrupt. Oh boy! Um, and uh, it was it was totally unnecessary. Mm-hmm. So that that was another kind of like realization that because you wrote, I thought that because people had a business they ran, so they knew more than I did. Right. And yeah, uh, just because and they it have a. Until I was almost just because yeah. they have a thing or a title doesn't mean they're necessarily better at something, you know. Well, right. I'd assumed otherwise. I assumed I wasn't <laughs> capable. Well, of that. And when when you're starting out and you don't know any different, that's just what you you do, you know. A lot of people do, and uh, you know, I fell into that trap. And my wife was really, you know, trying to tell me this whole time, you know, trying to give me the message. And uh, so, so I finally got. And but I've learned some things along the way. So I, I, I always have these sometimes I'll I'll get a question to answer when I do a, a seminar at a at a show and, and it'll be about, you know what what are your rules for business? And right. and um, well, they're old ones. You know, customers always right. Right. Uh, customers don't ever assume they're they're stupid. They know as much and oftentimes more than you. Um 
And the third one was became the most important one for me. And uh, it's um, under promise and over deliver. Right. Uh, I promised the kit would be out in sometime in June or July, something like that. I, it came out in like May or something. That was ahead of time. Yeah. The biggest problem I had from then on years afterward, because this was the thing that bothered me in the hobby being a consumer, mm-hmm. is that people would say, oh, we see you just spent $6,000 on an ad. So when is the kit going to be available to ship? Yeah. <laughs> well, I used to make them all at once. Right. And the day the ad came out, or I'd say it's ready, they were there. one year I finally sent an email out with this huge red brick in the mm-hmm. middle of my shop, which is 500 kits right. in a big square. And I said, they're there always. And it took almost, you know, God, I think it's cool. I'm probably 20 years into it before people really believed it. <laughs> and um, um, I, I always thought that, you, you know, you've got to be really honest and have your stuff. Right. And, um, but at the same time, you know, I, I, I have to say that I was very lucky. Um, I had conditions of health. My wife is a teacher. Right. She had a medical plan. I can stop worrying about that. Uh, a good one. Right. And as you probably know, 95% of the people who are more in this hobby or in business do it part-time. Right, right, right. And sure. they're working 40, 50 hours a week, and they're coming home, they're working in their kitchen or their basement or their garage or whatever right. for another 40, 50 hours. Or their laundry you know. room, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, what are you going to get done? Right. And you got to sleep. you got family to take care of, whatever it is. So, you know, in all fairness, you know, yeah. It, it, it took my whole career in this to see all these things. And right. to know that to be full-time is rare. I'm very, very lucky sure. to do that. To be full-time and to, also, and to have the, um, at, well, at this point now, and you didn't know that it was coming when you probably started it, but to have the, uh, like, the name that went with it now at this point when you look backwards has to make you feel pretty fortunate too to have been able to oh yeah experience that ride through the hobby you know just that oh yeah you know you kind of built a little bit of a notoriety with your kits and people knew the name <laughs> pretty pretty much <laughs> pretty so a little bit of notoriety yeah but you know what i mean like it's extreme Jeez. you have to be extreme i'm i'm, right. I'm just asking that you, when you right. look back at that you probably have to think wow that was a pretty that's a pretty cool thing i did you know right well it it, it still seems like I, I sometimes still feel really isolated from the reality mm-hmm. of what it is. I mean, um, I have a hard time believing that, you know, many people know me. Um, mm-hmm. geez, in Italy, I'm in a, I'm in a coffee table book in Italian. It's hard to come to you. It's hard to come to you. It's hard to understand that and accept that. And, 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 you know, because it's you and you don't want to seem, you know, you don't want to seem boastful for it, but part of it, you probably do want to seem a little boastful. Hell, you work for it and, and you build it up to that point. So you yeah. deserve that, yeah. you know, but in the same respect, it's weird. It feels weird because it's you and you're like, everybody's clamoring about you and talking about you. And, well, it, and it just spe- it happens it, to be you. It speaks you know? for everyone's character when you, right. you know, when you know it and you know it, but you don't really Right. You don't right. care. It's not that you don't care, but you just, it's yeah. not, it don't, you don't let that become you, 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 
you're yeah. still you. And, and, and in this hobby, I noticed for the most part, and we've said this before, but um, for the most part in this hobby, Bob, most of the people that are kit manufacturers that everybody seems to know and everybody knows real well, um, and then the people that um, the the the, builder, the model builders that are out there. Uh, there's, you know, we were talking earlier about Dave Frary um, before the show uh, started. We you and I were talking about that, and we've had Hal Reynolds on, and we talked about Doug Viscali and um, you know all these guys and. And we have, uh, I don't know if you know um, Jason Jensen at all or heard of Jason Jensen. Uh, he's a newer modeler out now. He lives in Colorado. And he's, uh-huh. he's, he's, a, he's a real big name. But here's the thing. None of those people, you could tell, if you talk to them, they would never, you would never know. They would never talk about their, how, you know, how, you know, they're popular. And they're, they're nobody, they, you know, they're not going to. They're not going to brag it up. They're, it's not, that's not who they yeah. are. And this, and this hobby well, is – this niche of the hobby, I think, is, is a lot of those kind of people, and it's awesome. So, you, know? you don't find that much. It's nice. Yeah. I mean, I – It's humbling. I, um, it's humbling. Well, you, you guys ever hear of or know uh, Jim Haggard who started Builders in Scale? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jim was a good guy, and and we talked a lot. And he passed away, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, some years ago, but Jim told me once that the part he hated the most was writing ad copy, <laughs> and we both felt that way because it was bragging about yourself. Yeah, yeah. And it's like we a, found it really hard to do that. In order to write a good uh, ad, you, know, you have to kind of beat your chest a little bit, but then it feels weird doing that. Right. Well, if you the, the truth is, if you want to go farther than you are, you have to do it. You know, yeah. uh, Ma- Malcolm Fur- Malcolm Furlow. Yeah, yep, yep. yeah, great, sure. Great, great, great showman. Okay, yep. I mean, he'd he'd go around passing out like glossy, you know, like Hollywood style photographs of himself. Mm-hmm. You know, and, oh wow. Uh, and he was, he was selling these paintings, you know, he called himself a Western painter, which, well, I won't say anything about that. But anyway, <laughs> uh, that's a New York gallery for like, yeah. you know. I remember Malcolm's, <laughs> uh, his layout for his book that he had published. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was a great, he was a great showman. Yeah. And, and I, I knew a guy like that in high school who, who had glossies made of himself and went out to California and right. he somehow made it. I mean, <laughs> the, few people have it in that to do that. Right. Right. Them, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a different, different type of person, you know, but nothing, yeah. nothing wrong with and, that. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I had opportunity, you know, the Hollywood thing came along. Dave Frary persuaded me not to <laughs> chase it. Yeah. Uh, there's various reasons for going into that. They they right. they, 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 they don't pay. You know, well, and, and we it's, actually it's only have five or six shops that really do the work. Right, know, right. Get paid. We actually have and, a, a, a listener, and um, he's been a guest on our show, uh, who does a lot of set building and has had experience with that. And um, that's a whole different world. That's a whole you're getting into a whole different ball game with that. And oh, yeah. um, you know. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're, you're either yeah. you're either really made for that and re- and that's what you do, or you know you you, you either really got to be into that or or you don't do it. Um, right. But it's yeah, still it's, it's still it's, really it's, amazing that they do it. So I worked on a peripheral a little bit. I, I did some work for Clark Dunham, and he was a really nice mm. guy. And uh, uh, little aside, I I did some work for him, and then it got it got into a it was a display at a mall. In, uh, of it in uh, 
in uh, eastern Massachusetts. And uh, I had a couple back and forth letters with Ted Kennedy <laughs> on the on the oh, lead wow. issue. And he was a really nice guy. He said he he this people would write these letters for him. It was like a full page, like really wordy stuff. And I got him to go out and take a look at it. You know, he thought it was really mm-hmm. cool. <laughs> and uh yeah. um oh, there's stories oh jeez, I've run into politicians too at the the the, the, the uh they're good to model rivers, pretty right. much. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, so but, but there's some stories about that too, but uh, which, which are interesting. Um, so but, you know, we, we 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 oh anyway, go on. No, no, I was just gonna kind of I was gonna kind of transition. Um, uh, yeah, you you did your first kid, and you had your show, and and yep. Um, you kind of had a little bit of uh, momentum going now with with everything when you were starting out. So, what kind of what kind of made it? What was the moment that you realized when you were starting to produce these kits and, you know, maybe a few years down the road where you're like, wow, I really have something going here. Like, what was that? What was that uh, moment? Even if you didn't have it, I don't know. Maybe you didn't. Almost immediately. Okay. So, like, <laughs> you just... Well, uh, uh, okay. Let's, let's go to 1991. Okay. okay. All so right. I've, we're fast-forwarding fast a little bit. Yeah, so, so I, 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 I've come out with a kit, January 1991, Springfield show, mm-hmm. and I got to get it out. And I'm going to, I'm going to under-promise and over-deliver. So we got this schedule about six months out. <laughs> Meantime, I'm still working for this architectural firm who think I'm working for them still, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working for myself, and I'm, 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 I'm doing one more year of teaching, and then someone taps me on the shoulder and says, you know, we got a three-year, ten-year shot you know, coming up you could apply for. And I decided that I really liked teaching. Mm-hmm. I didn't like being a university employee, uh-huh. which meant, I mean, you know, it was like six to eight, nine contact hours a week, right? And that was the best part. Writing curriculum wasn't as much fun, but dealing with the administration. You liked being me, it was in it and teaching. I didn't feel I was going to really accomplishing anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, all due respect, I, I had I was really lucky. I had some couple really good teachers, but I say couple out of like you know a dozen, and it just it didn't just didn't didn't. It just didn't offer me the kind of gratification I was looking for. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always built stuff, right? And, right. Uh, you know, that's what appealed to me. So, right, you're a um, builder, man. You I mean, wanted, like all of us. Yeah, you, you wanted to create. Exactly. Well, we do. Yeah. So, so, so I kept it going. You know, and your your your, te- your, your question, Brett, is, is like I knew immediately because the kits are selling like gangbusters. Yeah. And uh, I immediately had to start working another design. Mm-hmm. And um, the other thing which happened, apropos of nothing, is I had to learn how to survive. And this was a quick education. Right. I knew, and this was not to diss the shops, I could not do it wholesaling. Right. It, it just, for, for a sole proprietor doing one kid a year, yeah. you know, it just doesn't work. Right. You couldn't, and, you couldn't uh, be selling in bulk to uh to yeah. a, a large magazine or a large you know a uh, large distributor it just wasn't going to work for no, it, it, it 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 just didn't work i i i lasted 6 months i had a hard time getting paid the people i was selling kits to were 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 selling them for less than i was and they were right. making more money than i was well and oh, and, 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 that, and, 
and that the, was apparent right off the bat. And the oh yeah, not only that, but the production is a little bit different than your mass scale. Uh, you know, faster pump. You, you're not churning them out quite as fast as like a an automated process doing injection molding. Exactly. Right. And believe it or not, I've actually worked in injection molding shops, so I know what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a man of that. many hats. You're a man of many hats. But... Oh, I've done a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> so now, so I, ha- I, had, I had to make some choices. Right. And one of the hardest things is I basically cut the dealers off at the maze. All except for a dozen of them, which accepted the new term I had. And I figured they had some regulars. And I, I said, you can only get two kits. I'm going to give you a very short discount. you got to pay me in advance. Because right. I had a really hard time collecting. Mm-hmm. And it was, it, was, it, was, it was not good. Right. And these people stayed with me. You know, gradually it was 10 and 8 and 2, you know. And so I always had a couple dozen kits for these guys. And the kits were pre-sold to regular customers. Oh, so right. It wasn't like really. It was a pass-through. Okay. And it was a good, it was a, it was a good um, business advertisement to keep me in good graces with, to me, the people really mattered. Right. right. You know, the ones, that, the ones that got pissed off at me, I just, you know. Yeah. Well, we, we won't use that word. Yeah, right. we won't. But, but no, but you know, you, <laughs> you, knew, you had, you had your... Right, and you had your crowd, you had your audience, and you knew yeah, yeah. you knew who everybody would, has their detractors and their and their you know. But you their, you knew who'd stick yeah. by your side if you decided to switch up sure. your operations just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, now, it, it, it 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 reached another kind of level too, where I I, I came upon another saying: you got to spend money to make money. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Fact. And I have seen some really good craftsmen who are just about going to like cardiac arrest when they find out they have to spend more than three figures on something <laughs> for their business. Right, right. It, I mean, I spent, I don't know, I just look at my stuff, my business, you know, several hundred thousand dollars. Sure. Mm-hmm. Equipment, this and that. And uh, I went right out there. I, uh, when, 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 when I did my first kit, uh, I went to see Gene Oreo at Northeastern, mm-hmm. and I said, I just really up front with them. I said, you know, we can talk about establishing credit, but I mean, here's a check for $5,000. Let's just get going. Yeah. yeah. What do we got to do to start? Right. Yeah, yeah. And he yeah. just kind of blinked at me because, you know, he's used to the model railroad community. You know? <laughs> and uh, they don't write checks. You know, certainly yeah. not for four figures. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, so I just went and did it. And uh, I get to my, my house. We have an old farmhouse. We got a barn. And uh, so I started in the house. And uh, it used to be a two family. There's a really narrow back stair up to the laundry room. For four years, I carried 100 pound sacks of, of uh, plaster up there. Mm-hmm. And uh, when there was enough money and I felt like I could take a home equity line out that I could pay, I went into the barn and took one of the wings. And redid about oh eight nine hundred square feet, which is my main shop. Mm. Right, and I finally in nineteen ninety four or five moved into there. And I think my first kit out of there was, you know, I can't remember what it was. Uh, well, you got a lot of them. <laughs> it must have been. Well, anyway, I, I'm thinking ninety four or five. But I came out with the Stone Roundhouse in ninety four. And that was that used two and a half tons 
of uh, oh my gosh, plaster. I can't believe I, I carried that all. <laughs> Two and a half there. tons of plaster. One hundred yeah. one oh one hundred pound sack at a time. You oh carried all Lord. that up there. So anyone out there yeah. that has that kit or has built that, just think about that. You know, Bob was up there slugging these things up. Up He's carrying that stairs. plaster up the steps <laughs> to make you have a kit. Man, I paid a blood price. There, there was. Well, and, well, and this is, the, I, have, I have a congenital back condition. Oh, oh man, it's not friendly to that. You put some sweat equity into that kit. Oh, real sweat. <laughs> so, uh, oh, you want you want to hear the story about the stone roundhouses? Oh, absolutely. This, this, this goes into my cluelessness. So. By this time, I know George Celios, okay, and oh. I can go over and visit him, you know, without being with the crowd, and we're talking, and, and he says, Bob, you know, I, I, I got I like to do a roundhouse. What do you think, you know? And I told him, that, you know, I, I can kind of eyeballing the, uh, the um, John Allen one, mm-hmm. knowing, you know, that would really hit a chord with him. <laughs> I like it, too. Right. He goes, well, you know, let's let's do something. And so I, I, uh, I did a... Uh, enough patterns to do a wall, you know, the 15-inch the, the long wall, mm-hmm. which is like three castings and popped some windows in it and mm-hmm. weathered it and brought it over to St. George. And he says, uh, this is in the summer of 94, I believe. And uh, he says, oh, this is great. He says, now, could you build it for me? <laughs> 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 and I said, it's time out. I said, no way. <laughs> I said, I'll bring you the castings, but you got to build it. You know? Right. Said, because at the time, I was working on, on uh, rug manufacturing, and I had, to, I had to shoehorn this kid in. As a, as a, well, this, this is how it happened. He, he said, it wasn't the kid. I was just going to do it for him. He goes, I was totally convinced that it would bomb as a kit. <laughs> and, and, and George says, Bob, really? You ought to do as a kit. I said, I don't know, George. I, I, I don't think this is going to work out at all. Says, you know, look, what, what do you got to lose? You know, do, do 100 kits. I don't have time. So he finally convinced me. Right. And during that summer, I, 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 I made patterns for the floor. He didn't use the floor, mm-hmm. but I had to have one for the kit. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I really had to, you know, so I did the whole thing, and I made a hundred of them, and I just held my nose and put that out. I sold out in like two or three days. That was insane. Like, this, this, wow. this was made. Yeah, so it was like gone. And uh, so what I did was I realized the market is much pe- bigger. Uh-huh. People were just really bugging me. So I'm starting to work a mailing list. I'm doing computer stuff, early stuff, website and all, and. I got in contact with all these people, and I said, you know, I'm going to uh, produce 200 more. Right. And, uh, you know, it'll be over the next year or so. And, of course, I did it earlier than that, cause, you yeah. know, under promise, over deliver. Right. That right, whole right. thing. Sure. And, uh, and, and you I got, got a high demand out. for this thing, too, you know, so. Oh, jeez, yeah. I couldn't believe it. And, uh, I mean, you, you probably seen the case, like, two boxes. It's just, yeah. And uh, shipping it. I managed to get them all shipped. How much did it weigh? Food. 20 pounds. Oh, my God. God. <laughs> <laughs> I had a bowling ball. I had a big bowling ball, man. I had a box to ship it. Oh, damn. Now the doctor said ball. I shouldn't lift more than 25 pounds. <laughs> you know. So that was that. That was a project. And I, I still have the diorama. I don't have a place for it. But it breaks my heart to, to, oh, to yeah. you know, get rid of it. Uh, is that, that's Bill, that George built that, right? 
George built it. Yeah, I mean, come on, and it's George Sellers built that. So now, the, now when you sold that that stone roundhouse, did you? Yeah, you ran an ad. Obviously, you run an ad in a magazine. You ran ads in in magazines, correct? For the yeah, model railroad yeah. and and so now you use the photographs from his model build, correct? No, I didn't. I oh, mean, didn't? I. I well, my, my, my whole process was I, yeah. I ran the stone roundhouse in the same process I ran any kit. Okay. And that was is, um, I would build it, photograph along the way for the instructions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I'd photograph the diorama for right. the ad. And, um, okay. The, uh, I don't know if I even ever asked George, George, George told me yeah. that. That he, this is what convinced me. He says, Bob, you know, this being on my layout, you know, I don't yeah. use other people's kits. It's really going to do it for <laughs> you. Yeah, he, he said, well, the real disappointment was he was he was kind of mad at it, too. And a lot of my customers were is that he, he it did, and never made it into Model Railroad magazine. Ah. Yeah. And, what a shame. Uh, he, he was angry because they brought him, you know, out there to see it and photograph yeah. it, and and they never published a photograph of it. Huh. Yeah. And, but there's stuff in that I don't even want to go into. Right, right. right. That's, a whole, that's a whole another night. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah we're not going that, there. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's <laughs> something else. And, and right. uh, but but really, that was that was part of the incentive. And um, you know, I always I, I like George's work a lot. Right, and, yeah. uh, even though we, just, we, we who worked doesn't? very, we worked very differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, he's got his own uh, style. And we, and... Reco- we recognize that. Yeah, different um, styles. Well, you know, again, a little bit on style, okay? Um, one thing is what, when, when you train as an artist, and you know, some people have just kind of natural talent. Mm-hmm. Maybe I had a little bit. My, my teachers and my practice helped develop it. My uh, my art school training was old school mm-hmm. in that I had six courses just in figure drawing. Right. And during that whole time, um, we were never given when we have, a, you know, nude figure drawing. It's where you learn. Right. Maximum time for a pose, two minutes. Oh, yeah. That's all they give you. Wow. You've got to learn. Fast. Yeah. And you got you got to catch the essence. You know, it could, you might just get through, like, you know, a leg or an arm, you know, mm-hmm. and that's it in that time accurately. And uh, so what I'm getting to is that you develop a hand, quote unquote. I couldn't do George Sellers' style or anyone else if I tried to. Right. What I do is what comes out of me. Right, yeah. And not that me is better than anyone, it's just what it is. It's no, your but, thing, man. You know what though? It's Yeah, it, and that's what George is. His his George is him. What's awesome yeah, what's awesome about, about what you just stuff. said is it, yours is better in a different way yeah. than everyone else's. And George is better in a different way than everyone else's. And right. Jason Jensen yeah. and any other major modeler out there right now, yeah. even on the current scene is better in their own way. So, you know, everyone has, everyone has their good and bad parts of what they do. Um, and everyone, everyone also admit that too. So what you just hit on was a really important part of just being an artist and a modeler. Even if you're, even if you're just starting out, like you're going to have things, you're going to have things that you're really good at when you're starting out and you're going to have things that you're just 
awful at and is going to mess it up a whole bunch of times so you get it right and um well i'll give you an example okay um um for instance um i just built (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah here we go the the, the (laughs) third kit i'm not a kit builder i Mm -hmm. scratch built right i built the third kit i've ever built in my whole time model railroading Mm -hmm. wow and um it was the uh, uh, Campbell scale models Durango Tower. Oh no, kidding! <laughs> Coal Tower, which is probably yeah. one of the worst kits to yeah. build if you're if you're impatient or anything. But the thing, what I'm getting to is that um, a lot of my customers' dexterity or, or just cleanliness skills. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, not just some, but a lot are much better than mine. Right. Um. Um. Uh, Dick Patterson, another amazing modeler, passed sure. away. Uh-huh. Um, trained as an artist, said to me, says, you know, Bob, dry brushing is a wonderful technique. It just covers up a multitude of modeling sins. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was a great statement. I That's a good to quote there. Yeah. Embroider that and put it up somewhere in the shop. What was that know? one that Howard had uh, when we had Howard Zane on? High Wab, hide it with a bush. Hot it with a bush. <laughs> oh well, Howard. You know, see, there's there's another one. Um, <laughs> you've been to Howard's, right? Not right? yet. We are. We will be. We we will be oh, visiting it soon. A lot of his techniques oh, are broad brush, quick and dirty. You look close at it, and he yeah. not just lingering to like you know put the spokes at the right you know right. intervals or something like that. I mean, Howard's stuff's quick, and again, you know, like Howard. Uh, is trained as an architectural illustrator right. mm-hmm. at a school that was in Avon, Connecticut. It was the place in the United States to learn the trade. Right. And architectural illustration used to be, oh, I used to really envy those people. I mean, their drawings, their plans, their perspectives were just pure art. It's beautiful, yeah. yeah. And But you had to crank these things out when you work. You couldn't spend a week on a drawing. And, and that's where Howard learned. Yeah. He transferred that kind of rapid you know, um, uh, um, you know, acquisition of ideas and expressing them, mm-hmm. his training, and threw it right into his layout. He, right. I work slow still, but Howard is like, he works at light speed, I swear. <laughs> oh, yeah. Isn't that, well, that's crazy. I've heard that before. He told us that. That's kind of like the uh, George Celios and George is fast. That's kind of like pretty quick. That's kind of like how my dad and I work. Um, I, I have a, I have a, uh, a little faster style than my dad, I think. I'm very slow, you know, methodical. But, but we both yeah. change. We both produce uh, a, a unique result that isn't of low quality. It's just, you know, one of us works faster than the other. So it's interesting how people develop different skills through their background like that. Right. Right. Well, you must complement each other very well in that respect. Then we complement yeah, each other in a couple ways. In a couple ways, we irritate each other. But you know that's part of the game. <laughs> well, yeah, that goes with the territory. That's pretty close, you know. I mean, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, what what it does for us on on our layout as we're building it is that it gives you two contrasting styles, and not everything ends up looking exactly alike. But it's we do have very similar styles as it well. It also allows us so, to critique each other and say, like, "Ooh, yeah. are you really going to do?" 
Like, that. are you really? Gonna, are you, is that how that's supposed to look? And then we'll look at, and then like you know, I'll send something to my dad, or my dad will send something to me, and one of us will say, "Hey, uh, you should look at that again because it's it's a little weird, it's a little off." Yeah. And then you'll, we'll look at it again and go, "Ah, oh, damn it! Like now I got to go back and." But but you see each other's errors, so we have a little bit of a unique advantage with what we're working on because we're right. tag teaming a lot of stuff. And, and, and you I think do that. Mm-hmm. It's good that you do that. I'm glad to hear it. And not only that, it's fun that my dad and I get to do it together. So, right, kind of yeah, a yeah. neat little thing. So now, now one of the things when we went to in June, Brett and I went uh, to up to um, to see Howard uh, Howard Zane, uh, George Celius's <laughs> Franklin yeah. South Manchester. He had us there. We got to spend a good five hours there. It was really nice. And uh, he had a special opening for us. And Hal Reynolds, who we've had on the show a couple times. Uh, I don't know if you know Hal. Um, oh, Hal's a great person. Okay, yeah. and Hal was yeah. there with us, and uh, we had George and Hal, and who else? Um, and, uh, that guy we told you about, Jason Jensen, and a lot of other modelers that are big into fine scale modeling. Dan Raymond was up there. Dan Raymond, who makes this really the nice cars vehicles. for yeah, he makes them for George's layout, and um, he makes a, he makes the cars and puts them on George's layout. <laughs> he brings and, he um, brings he brings George little gifts of uh, of we're uh, all there. All the all the um, Jordan miniatures, yeah, yeah, and we're all there checking it out. And what's cool is, and I and I thought, you know, it, it's one of a kind. We all, you know, we all. Seen that was that. our first yeah. time seeing it, by the way. Right, it was our first time, but you know, we we've seen it, we've seen it in photos and videos and everything else, but we've not see, seen it like that. And it, what was cool is everybody that was there with our group. We had maybe fifteen, twenty people. And everybody in their own right was, a, you know, a, a very accomplished modeler, um, or some of them were kit builders or kit manufacturers. In fact, right, right. And, and but it was neat to see because we left there. Nobody, you'll never, you know, people say, "Oh, you know, I don't make it just like I want to make it just like that, like George Celius's or uh, or Howard Zane's or or I want to make my modeling like Dick Elwell's or whatever." Right? But we. We we can't emulate it, just like you were saying, um, yeah, Bob. Yeah. You were saying I, you can't emulate it. You you could try, but you're never going to match it. And then it's if you do, fire. if you do try to, it's going to look like it's forced. You know, right. it's not going to look right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So right. So so what you get out of seeing something that miraculous, you know, that uh, something of that scale and so, that magnitude is you get inspiration, Bob. When and that's we, what you can take when we were up there. That weekend, we went to um, beforehand. That night before, we went over to Doug, to meet uh, Doug Fiscali up at his shop. Um, I don't know if you've been to his new place or if you've seen if you've I been have. to his place at all. Have uh, you been to his yeah, new workshop? Yeah. I've been to his new shop. It's yeah. nice. Wow. So we're up there visiting. <laughs> yeah, it. we got to pet the donkey and a whole. Oh, ah, we got to meet great. everyone up there. It was awesome. <laughs> but um, so Doug Doug was up there, and we actually got to see. You know, he does his limited run kit every year. Um, yeah. we got to see his kit, uh, before it was like even before done. It was up, really yeah. cool. So, but he was swore us to secrecy or else he'd like, you know, he'd find us and he'd come, he'd come find he'd us, come find us but he swore us to secrecy. But anyways, yeah. uh, it was a moment where we were talking with him about seeing George's for the first time. And he's like, man, when you round that corner and you see that layout, he's like, it's just something. He's like, it'll change your life as a modeler. And it has That's exactly in a different saying, way. Yeah. But yeah. Anyways, we've done enough to talk about uh, yeah. other models. Yeah, so let's get back onto 
kind of what you're working I, on. And, I want to talk to him about his kits. Yeah, that's a little bit. Yeah. That he okay. And everybody's familiar okay. with. One of, one of the things. I have some questions about a couple of kits, kits I too. Is the style kit. Now, we've all talked, we talked tonight even about several different other kit manufacturers as well. And right. a lot of them, you know, are using you know, laser cut wood and, and that such. Uh, that, those kind of things, laser cut and you know strip wood and that type of thing. A lot of clapboard siding buildings, and we see a lot of that, and we love them. I just got done doing uh, uh, the um, what's that? Is? I'm sorry, we might have to cut this out. Uh, I don't expect. <laughs> I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it in. But yeah, um, <laughs> but I just got done doing the um, Baxters. Baxters, yeah, Baxters. I got your back. I got your from, back. Uh, from from George. I just did it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I just yeah, finished I last yeah, week. Yeah. And uh, it turned out great. But but here, you know, there's a lot of clapboard on it. One of the things that's missing in this hobby, and we talked about it on the show many times, we talked about it with uh, several other people, um, is stone and brick structures. And you have a lot of them. You know, and, and yeah, that's what's talking about stuff. Yeah. Right, and it's awesome. You know, you, yeah. you, you go to your website, and you, you know, people have to go to South River Model Works, um, and and dot com, and go check it out and see his his kits. Now they're they're out of production now, but you know, uh, you can you can find them. Uh, we were at the Timonium show, and we saw your kits of, available from the one gentleman that we we knew from the with a um, we go to the expo every year. And um, he would be there as well. He sells out-of-production kits. And um, he had a bunch of your Redbox kits there. So you can find them. And I you know, I know you, they're out there. But they're stone and brick. And we don't see enough of that on a lot of layouts anymore. You know, uh, and not real uh, – unless it's done in, like, plastic, which I, we don't want to deal with. I don't yeah. want to deal with plastic. And um, so, so what drove you? A lot of your stuff is – Stone and brick. So, what was yeah. that? What's the reasoning behind that? Although I love the reasoning behind it, I you know I love the fact. Well, that it's a, it's a great it's a great great question, and I'm and I'm kind of kicking myself for not even having brought that up. And thank you for doing that. <laughs> it's an important, very very important part of what I do. Yeah. Um, now, my, my my first kit was, I mean, I had I had to cut down the amount of masonry just because. Well, the whole business got harder on my back as I went mm-hmm. along. We'll just mm-hmm. leave it at that. And uh, but my first kit was basically, you know, eighty percent masonry and ten and twenty percent wood. Mm-hmm. And I pride myself also in the fact not not only that, but I had one metal casting. Wow! <laughs> oh my. Wow! I was trying to I was trying to make a statement that you could you could you could do a kit. That had legs and appeal, without, you know, everyone said that. Well, if you, you know, I saw a lot of people trying to copy of George's doing. There were so many people in the early '90s, late '80s who came yeah. out with like, you know, a two hundred dollar kit, you know, with a hundred metal castings or whatever. Right. And uh, and they weren't copying George's. They were just like, yeah. you know, they thought they were, but they were doing something. Hey, and hey. most of them, most of them failed. Mm-hmm. And um. And I saw a need for masonry. Uh, plaster was getting a really hard wrap because right. most of the people shipping the stuff, their stuff was breaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I find myself in the fact that I had one kit my whole career to end up with a broken part. So as a, a side note, of, um, as a side note real quick, is, is it 
due to the quality of the casting? I'm sure. I'm guessing, or is it the, uh, the quality of the packing? Yeah, I I stand with the packaging. Okay. Um, if you see the you know the layers, you know the cards that I put the stuff on. Right. I used to wrap every casting mm-hmm. in. Um, in you know, like saran wrap and then attach it to a sticky board, then put a layer of bubble wrap on top mm-hmm. of it and this whole sandwich. Uh, I had a kit that got lost in the UPS system for a month. Oh, no. It got detached <laughs> from its <laughs> and found its way to me after I'd gotten it, put in my claim for it. It came back to me, been all over the country. The, just the red boxes left. It was all banged up and put a <laughs> piece of tape around it. I opened it up and all the castings were intact. Wow. Oh my. So, wow. So you were saying you pride your tested you, you I was gonna, Well, UPS came over to ask me, you know, what'd you do? You know, how'd you figure this out? I said, Well, it was easy. I packaging. I went to the nearest <laughs> town, I, I, I went upstairs to a third story window and I threw it out the window onto the sidewalk. <laughs> <laughs> I said that was our survivability test. <laughs> That's amazing. I was getting the roundhouse to survive <laughs> that. My God! Um, oh my goodness! That's unbelievable. So, so you were saying? I'll, I'll, I'll add a little caveat just to warn the people. Over time, bubble wrap does deteriorate. Mm-hmm. So you end up with more airspace in there than I that I'm that I'm, I'm comfortable with. Yeah. And uh, so that was a big, big worry of mine. But I felt the stuff had to get out there. And there was a couple people who like would buy like you know thirty or forty of George's kits and resell them, and they were like my biggest attractors. I said, "All this plastic crap, you know, mm-hmm. that's all it is, you know." And I, I heard a lot of that the first ten, twelve years. Right. And um, the other thing, I had, I had to break through a lot of barriers. Actually, there was a lot of stuff that was hard hard to break through. It didn't prevent me from selling the kits. Mm-hmm. Attitudes. And uh, plaster is seen as, oh, you know, all the parts are arrived broken. And uh, you had a stigma you know, to break. Give, he doesn't give instructions on how to stain it. I didn't believe in staining plaster. Mm-hmm. And that, that kind of pissed people off, too, because I have a different method, which plaster I saw worked better. Yeah, and God forbid, and, you know, uh, you, you have a different method that's not the norm. You know what I mean? Or, like, or, yeah. Yeah. Well, did you, did you paint? How how did you do? You didn't stain. Well, the plaster so. kits that people people were, were were developing their methods off were generally O scale kits that mm-hmm. you'd see advertised in Narragansett Shortline Gazette, mm-hmm. right. and the themes were Western. So so the the, the 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 stonework would have a very light color to it, you know, like kind of whitish. Mm-hmm. So people would put like a stain on it and then kind of rub a lot of it off, and that was the stone look. Uh, I've never been to the Como Roundhouse in Colorado. You can see where that comes from. Okay. And uh, um, actually, I've done sketches of that on just a little side, on site. Great place. Anyway, um, but the thing is, is I, I decided, despite my time in the West, I was another important thing. I was not going to do Western-themed kits. Right. Even though I knew that two-thirds of the interest in buildings with model rivers was Western theme, either Colorado or the Tecopi Loop or something like that. That's what people wanted. Like big model railroading or model railroading in the mountains. They could do right. bridges and stuff like right. that. Sure. And I said, well, I just want to be a me too person. And the thing about, you know, your hand, my, my hand was not to be like everyone else. Mm-hmm. So I just, you know, I just, I just carved myself a different path. 
with the with this with the plaster. Also, mm-hmm. uh, I was I was in I was in little danger of being copied. Uh, I'll get into that a little bit, but um, believe me, it's not dissing anyone. But um, right. um, um, Clint Crow was doing his path. Basically, Clint and I were at a table together with Al Pills at my first show as a manufacturer, which was in Denver in 1991. Mm-hmm. We had a great time. <laughs> and uh, although what a show. I got to meet Gordon Odegaard for about two days, and then he had a heart attack and passed. Oh, no. That was, oh, God. That was, what a that shock. Was, that was quite a show. Yeah. 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 And uh, uh, I want to hear a weird story from that. You, you, sure. We got time for this. Just like yeah, we got absolutely so plenty of time. So this guy in Denver. He, he robbed a bank and killed two or three people, and it was, it was a thing in the news. And uh, oh my God! And what, you know why he did it? He yeah. needed money for his model railroading hobby. <laughs> believe that. It's horrible. It's horrible. But wow! We were like, this has got to be a joke, and it actually <laughs> happened. It was published in the Denver Post. Oh my goodness! Oh my God! So anyway, oh my yeah, <laughs> the, the show wasn't bad vibe. I, I met um, G- uh, Jim Finnell. Uh-huh. What an artist! Yeah, amazing guy. He passed away, unfortunately. It was sudden. Oh, I think it was a, either pancreatic cancer or brain tumor. So a young guy and uh, just amazing artist. We hit it off right off the bat. And still in my shop, I proudly displayed one of his uh, um, uh, kind of watercolor ink drawings. Mm-hmm. And uh, what a talent. So I had a good time with the show. But yeah. then again, I'm, I'm carving my niche. It's different from other people. And sitting down and hand-carving every brick Right. By the time I was on my 12th or 14th kit, I started making some original castings and started using some of the old ones and cutting and splicing them. Oh, good idea. Making the other stuff because it just got, you know, my eyesight, everything oh, got yeah. really hard. Right. To, it's got to give you like, It can make you oh, arthritic and everything. Oh, 20 new yeah. patterns for every kit. I just couldn't handle it. Sure. And, uh, but at the same time, I realized that this, this is, this is uh, a um, viable way to do things, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because I, I have all these wonderful things. And uh, I eventually gave in to, you know, doing a lot of metal casting because I set myself a little machine shop, and I love fiddling with that stuff. Right. And uh, uh, I knew how to do pattern making, and I worked with, for a while with the great Bob Reza. Mm-hmm. Another guy passed away. He was an amazing machinist for doing miniatures. Right. Um, Dr. Scully worked with Bob, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, he was just, boy, he know his stuff. Right. And uh, so he would make some patterns for me. And um, just quickly, a little history segue. Uh, it was, let's see, I got my first metal casting equipment uh, after my ace kit. Which was, oh, no, for my eighth kit, which I believe was, what was it? Oh, um, Blackstone. And mm-hmm. for that. Oh, I love that and, kit. Uh, oh, it's a great kit. That is awesome. I, I did half the casting, and the other half was done by Leo and Randy Terrian of Crow River. Mm-hmm. Now, that's another person I have to mention because he helped me a lot and helped me set up my machine shop. And another, like, you know, the ten major talents out there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, he's one of he's one of them. Huh. Okay. Right. Right. And, and he he's just I'm such a nice guy, and, and mm-hmm. both of them. 
And uh, so they um, um, they helped me while I made the transition. And actually, they bought my first casting machine, which was a manual machine. I got repetitive stress syndrome off of it. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to figure out what was going on. It was like 1995. We got into Colorado and we, we rented a Harley to drive around. And my arms are aching. <laughs> I was saying, geez, you know, this is for motorcycling. And, uh, you know, bike's a bit of work, you know, threw up right. on a dresser. But, mm-hmm. uh, and it turned out I went to the doctor and he said, well, tell me what you do. And I went, oh, he said, you got a stress injury. I yeah. shortened wow. my tendons, you know, my arms. So oh, my I had to sell what I sold to Leo and Randy. They're looking for a new machine. I got a semi automatic one that I still have. And uh, same dynamic with, well, it's the time and the money. Right. I didn't start laser cutting until, oh, about, oh, let's see, my last eight or nine years in business. Because hmm. um, so, I'm afraid of the time it would take. So, yeah, real quick. from me. Yeah. As a side note, and I don't know if we've asked this for any of the older kit manufacturers, what was your process for cutting wood walls out before you had later uh before you had a laser cutter i don't think we've oh, ever asked I, that before i use a laser process i, I use gene oreo right off oh okay okay so you had, okay, yeah okay anyway it was a it was i mean i had to do scale drawings for him with all dimensions called out gotcha gotcha and uh you know he had to translate that so he cut for you for the laser the stuff before you got it worked and it was really laborious, <laughs> right. and, but I was I was convinced that we took so much time doing it that I wouldn't have the time to do it myself. Right, right. Until I just I just gave up. Gene had moved to California; things were getting difficult for us, and uh, so I said, "I'm going to go off my own." Gotcha. And, right. and then I discovered that uh, this woman had done some work for us. Well, she wanted to work in the shop too, so it's like she's able to like do all my lasering. In hmm. about thirty-five to forty hours, I just I just put the files in, and I said, "Here's a computer keyboard. You know, change them out. Here's this wood for that part, that for that." And she packaged the stuff too. Right. And and uh, I did the long files myself, the ones that took like half an hour, an hour. And she did like three five-minute files, <laughs> you know, and stand in front of the machine. Mm-hmm. And uh, but um, um, it's. <laughs> George, I, I got to talk about pre-laser. I got to mention George. Go for uh, it. George took me once out and back. I don't know. I don't think very few people have seen his machines and back. And uh, the guy has a lot of like genius stuff he's done that no one knows right. very much about. But, mm-hmm. yeah. but he basically had like three like 1950s era Delta, like shaper, planer, mm-hmm. stuff like that, and uh, beautiful machines with like a gang of cyclones. Uh, and uh, collectors against the right. wall, and he would like make all his own fighting, and he had colors oh, that he that he made, and and uh, stuff is phenomenal. But he gave it up in a heartbeat yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for the laser cutter, huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, he he liked he didn't. I don't think he liked Leo Campbell's process. Uh, okay. Uh, and you know, you see the stamping, you know, stuff right. stamped lightly. And uh, um, a better process, of course, was Alexander Scale Models, which is an older company than than uh, than Leo Campbell's. And if you look at an Alexander Scale Models kit, mm-hmm. you can see where, where George got his his format from. It's right. basically right. that. Yeah. 
And uh, they're really tight, you know, beautiful drawings, you know, mm-hmm. nicely cut wood, everything labeled correctly, nice metal casting. Mm-hmm. Sure. And uh, that's, that's, that, I'm sure that's where he, you know. I, I really think that George's metal castings are just off the charts. You know, they really yeah. are. Oh, and, yeah. 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 I mean, Jimmy Deaton has now bought those molds and he's making them and reproducing them. Um, of course, you know, he, he got Jimmy's cast, he got his cast equipment too. Right. Yes. Which, whatever your opinion is of, of George's casting, the reverse would be of his equipment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he got a bunch of beat up junk. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, we got we when we were up there to visit, we got the rare treat. Is he hasn't done it for other people? He told us. Uh, we all well, we had we had a, a lot of modelers that he he knew some of us. And, Once he fell yeah. out the room and he could tell that we were all of the yeah. same kind of like fine scale crew, he yeah. um he yeah. kind of opened up a little bit more to us, which was pretty and cool he, to see. And he and he opened up his his, his back <laughs> room. He doesn't let other people go in there. He let us in his back, the back room. And we what got to see the me about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it was cool. That so was really cool. What, what was really neat to see was, which he has since sold, and we actually had him on the show back in September or October. October, yeah. Um, but which was, was hard, it, hard to get him on there. What was, really, what was really fun to see was he had a pile of lumber, which I'm sure you've seen back there, and he was like, yeah, yeah see yeah. that lumber over there? He's like, that's the original, like, bundle of lumber that like, I bought basswood. to cut basswood, basswood strips cut. out of. And, uh, uh, it was the, it was, he only ever bought that one. He hauled it all up there and he was cutting strips out of it. And he's like, that's the original wood right there all in big, yep. you know, uncut form. And, uh, since then he has had that removed from his shop, but the it other, like a cord of firewood. <laughs> the, the other, the other thing that was really cool about that, Bob was, um, and I'm sure you're like this. I kind of want to ask, I kind of want to ask what yours looks like, but in the area, oh, yeah. in the area that he works, he just had a few, yeah, yeah. you know, he had a couple dozen bottles of, of acrylic paints and some stains and that was really yeah, it. Yeah. Now that's where he did his modeling because that's what he's doing now. No, I know, I know. Oh, that's yeah. what I'm asking. Right. I'm, you know, right. he's building, he's doing it for his own pleasure at this point. Right. And he's got that sure. new section of his layout, which, right. you know, Bob, yeah. I don't know if yeah. you've seen that yet or not. He's got a whole new little area. Um, but for you, I'm going to ask if it's kind of similar, you know, what's your main, uh, I'm going to switch from your business side here to more of your modeling side. Cause now what I'm are gonna, you doing I want to ask you a couple questions on that. So, um, you know, is your main go-to just your acrylic paints and some stains or, um, when you're, when you're working on something, what are you, what are your main mediums that you're working with as far as coloring and, and stain? Well, let me say right off the bat is I, I stay away from anything that's solvent based. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel it's very unsafe. I mentioned Dick Patterson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dick Patterson, you know, works in ours, works with a lot of, you know, solvents and stuff. Uh-huh. And uh, a few weeks before he passed, he called me up and he says, Bob, the solvent based things basically what did me in. Huh. Yeah. And ever since then, I put a thing in my in my instructions to, to stay away from them. Mm-hmm. You can right. And uh, t- to that end, okay, I started out just using polyscale. Oh wow! Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. And um, from there, um, when that became here, I just I buy craft paints. <laughs> That's what we <laughs> like use. Everybody yeah. we talk to, all the guys we mentioned tonight. 
said the same thing. We, they we, all do, including I think George. Everyone up I here has the stuff early on. Yeah. And I found out that when you use the uh, uh, one of the airbrush manufacturers makes mm-hmm. a makes a medium for reducing uh, acrylic paint, mm-hmm. you can right. airbrush the stuff. And huh. thank God they got such a you know such a palette of colors. Oh my God! They're, they're, it's almost this, limitless. This goes to uh, um, um, oh, just a quick on airbrushing. Um, I was airbrush airbrushing impaired. Is that a disease or whatever we're airbrushing <laughs> impaired so we get it, it. And, and for, for, for years because i was buying you know i'd buy a little badger thing with a can you know and yeah clog i couldn't get i remember work. them i had one of them oh my gosh oh they were a nightmare i water and finally you know, <laughs> saw the light yeah so um but what what it looks like um i made myself kind of a a uh almost looks like a like a giant book you can open it up it's like like a rack on one side, a rack the other, full of like acrylic paint. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, um, I work in the shop where I made the kits. Just a, a kind of a description. Figure, think 24 by 24. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the center is a four by eight uh, table, right. which is all cabinets underneath. Okay. And then um, that was used for assembly. And Behind me, or facing it, there's a wall with windows in it, and that wall has a counter 24 feet long, and half of it is my workbench, and half of it is my casting bench. Now, this gets a little interesting. George and I would commiserate every year when you know things are getting a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And I'd say to her, George, I said, you got lucky. You, know, you had four or five months you didn't work in your layout. He said, <laughs> well, Bob, casting is a lot of work. I said, yeah, but you have one casting process. <laughs> I have two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and at first it was plaster, and then it became urethane. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I'd spend a month making molds. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, so, like, at a right angle to that, 24 foot is another wall, 16 feet, floor to ceiling shelves, where all the finished castings would go. Hmm. And um, you know, ready for assembly. Um, just, just, just a quickie, just um, because people will ask, um, or I just want to know, this was a year-long process, making mm-hmm. a kit. I started designing the new one almost a week after the first kit would sell. And my whole thing was I direct my whole process around how I'm going to fit all the stuff in the box. Right. And to some extent, it would drive the design a little bit. And I would have the whole packaging planned out before I even had the drawings done. Anyway, so now I don't do that anymore, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I work in this shop. Yeah. And, uh, um, and you know, it's just a little aside. What, what lighting it's, it's always been such an issue. I've gone through all these, these iterations. I started out with, I had like, oh, was it, two, was it one, two, three, four, eight, ten, and twelve? I don't know, a lot. Uh-huh. Uh, four foot fluorescent fixtures. Mm-hmm. Right. First they were twos. Then I made them with the, then I changed them into fours. <laughs> I just replaced all the four foot twos with, with uh, 6,500K, 1,800 lumen. Wow, that's my wow. next. Yeah. That's the next thing I want to do down here is uh, flip it over yeah. from uh, 
regular old uh, tube lights to, to LEDs because I know if we put LED down here, Dad, it'd be ten times brighter and, and way more energy efficient. So, oh yeah. Anyways, well, a little little tip at Lowe's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they got a sixteen pack of four footers. Oh, sixty five hundred K. Okay, that's that's the, that's the bright bright. Yeah, right. And eighteen hundred lumens. Uh, um, let's see, sixty four dollars for sixteen. Wow. Oh my. And they last oh, forever. Wow. Little pack. Yeah. So, LED. and do they run off the original ballast? You have to switch a ballast out. Yeah, you don't. You can leave your ballast. Oh man! Oh, I'm going to do it this year. It's going to happen. Yeah. General Electric at Lowe's, not at not at Home Depot. All right, I'll be right. there next. Right. I'll be there tomorrow. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> no, no, but, thing is, is, um, but seriously, um, I think the lighting the lighting makes the when you're working down here, lighting makes a huge difference. Not only just the way that things look. But just for mm-hmm. your own sanity, when you're trying to find stuff or you're looking at things, it makes it so easier to it's so much easier to just see things and what you're working on. Yeah, that's a good point. Absolutely correct, on right, Matt. And it also goes to your fatigue. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I, I like in the workshop. I, I want like hospital bright. Right. Right. And and that's what I have. However, and I learned this from George. Okay, my layout. I've changed uh, the the the, the uh, fluorescent lighting is embedded in a uh, tile ceiling, uh, you know, mm-hmm. with the whatever that stuff is, the, the hanging ceiling. Yeah, it drops and uh, yeah, they're they're U um, uh, uh, bend bulbs. Uh, okay, two footers. It's a four yeah. footer bend, and I'm changing those over to LEDs. But the thing is, I, I have LED, I have um, uh, a lot of those are changed to LEDs. Uh, and some of them are warm, some are cool, and then my incandescent lights are warm. Anyway, George talked talk about light mixing, basically painting with light. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So you might, in your layout room, if you have both types of lighting, you do some work underneath the brightest fluorescence, okay? And then when you're going to show or take photographs, turn on your incandescence also, your spots, and, uh, and mellow things out a bit. So you're getting some some warmer, warm. more yellow and orange tones in with your brighter, whiter tones. Exactly. The white's the work light. You know, you get to see everything. And maybe it's best for photography, too, because you can always adjust your light temperature. A good right. photographer knows how to do that. And uh, especially with today's digital equipment, so it almost doesn't matter what you have for light. One of our recent guests, or one of our guests a couple times now, and also a major modeler on, on YouTube is Jason Jensen, and he finally um, I don't know if you've done this or heard of doing this, Bob, is he would, he actually went out in his in his light fixtures and alternated the lights, so he had, over his layout, um, the whiter, bright, natural light as yeah, one of yeah. the tubes, and the other tube right beside it was a more yellow and uh, uh, a lower color burning light. So you had you had your you had your more yellow light next to your more white light, and he alternated tubes, and it actually made a big difference in photographing and modeling around his layout. So right. something else to wow. consider. So yeah. what a great idea! Yeah. So well, so he's, in, a, he's a he's very very in tune so with coloring. In, in, he's a, He's an artist. He's a commercial well. artist, so he has a little right. bit different of an eye. But um, sure. you know, yeah. you know, so right yeah. in right in the fixture, he's alternating every other tube is a different color. So you're getting two different colors of light cast down on that on that on your art. So right. just a different. Well, that is 
excellent idea. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's all That's in one thing, good. so. Yeah, yeah. And you can just pop the tubes around and start experimenting. Yeah, right. All right, all right. Wow! Wow! Yeah, I, no, I never considered that. That's a we didn't either. So I can't major. take any credit for that. I, I cannot yeah, take. Yeah. I take all, that's all him. I take zero credit for that. But I want to do it. So. Wow! Now, now wow. one of the one of the things that um, uh, one of the people that we talked to recently about your your kits and such, and he was talking about, uh, and I agree. Um, what he. He was talking about your directions. What is it about directions that makes makes some great directions or great kits with good directions? Because we've seen some that are okay, some that aren't so yeah, great. Yeah. Um, I, and you know, obviously, your kits and and George's kits too are very, 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 very good with the directions. I mean, I, I honestly don't think they can be top. So, what what is it that makes great directions when you're when you're putting together a kit? Well, let me just say, unfortunately, I can't comment much on George's kits because I've never built one. Uh, <laughs> well, that's right. You don't, you're, you're a scratch builder. <laughs> He's only right. built three yeah, kits, right? Right. 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 I'll, I'll say from my end, there must well, be that's, something. Well, I want to hear from your say, end. Well, they say, oh, what, we like your directions and George's. I'll, I'll tell you what I do. Yeah. Um, um, you, you have to, uh, well... Okay, back up a little. Uh, when I did architectural drawings, I didn't mm-hmm. people to read, okay, and, uh, and and understand them, you know, where they go. And uh, so um, I learned early on, well, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, I had a customer call up. He was having trouble with the instructions. Mm-hmm. And I finally figured out what the problem was. He couldn't read. Oh no! <laughs> oh my! Yeah. So, so I always made sure I had enough picture. This was with Delabar, my first kit, right? Which had a lot of, lot of, you know, illustration stuff in. But we got through it. You know, I helped mm-hmm. on the phone with a few things, and, and he sure. got through it. And from then, I said, "Well, I got to have even more drawings and more photographs." So uh-huh. I got to like, you know, like two hundred photographs in there. <laughs> and my thing was always to cover every single little excruciating step right, in right. detail. Maybe be a little repetitive. Mm-hmm. Um, repeat my words in the drawing and again in the photograph. Uh-huh. And because uh, what you have to do is you have to, you have to take the smallest common denominator if you want to get everyone satisfied right. with instructions. Sure. And, and always in a conversational tone. I mean, one thing I did, it really helped. Uh, you know, I mentioned Doug kept his, his kit secret. There's not a good reason to keep things secret. Is 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 you got when you're doing one of these kits, the best thing is to just keep people away from you. Yeah. <laughs> so you're, you know, I mean, you're you're just. I get in the frame of mind is like, right. we'll put this way. Let me back up even more. When I did that layout mm-hmm. in in the basement in Maryland back in the late '80s, I think that was kind of the kernel. I mean. I had, well, first with the casting, a, a, a tooth wall that had warped. It was some kind of resin before right. they had good resin. We've had our tooth walls like crypt- issues. Oh, it was, it was like kryptonite. You couldn't fix it. <laughs> we, we've been there with the tooth walls. And, and actually, that was be, be, before I met Clint Crow. Now I met, I did my first castings and carvings. 
for that little lab because I just couldn't find stuff that worked. And also, that's where I built, <laughs> sorry, Leo Campbell, my first Campbell's kit. And I said, geez. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> which, which was better instructions than when I just finished. But um, um, I, I, I always... I always built, I always put it in a box what I wanted to see myself. Mm-hmm. It was always, you know, what I wanted to do. And, and if, if I can just digress one more little thing is, uh, when you train to be a landscape architect, when you have a, a great teacher like Mark and I did, is, is you learn a process through the experience someone has in what we call the garden. For some of us, we just be designing parking lots. But the garden, in its biggest sense, would be like Central Park in New York. Mm-hmm. And you go from space to space. You have different experiences. The spaces are different sizes. You, you, you have connections through circulation, all these things. You have this natural world. You have this, this, this man-made world. All these things come together. So there's this process that a that a that a designer goes through mm-hmm. when they when they design for the for the public. And the whole thing is is to bring the customer, which is the person visiting the garden, to an experience that, that pleasures them. They see an advertisement, oh, visit Central Park, get to the entry, you're impressed, walk through the garden, you're impressed, go back, you know, take some pictures, have a good memory. I treated the kit like a gardener. You see a picture, mm-hmm. full-page ad. I want that. I want that. I don't want something that you know I can't do. I want that. Sure. So you give them a box. Oh, it's the gate, the entry. It looks, box looks nice. It's red. It's pretty. <laughs> it's not cheap. Okay. Yeah. You open it up. You're in the garden. And you yeah. go through the garden as you're doing the kit. Okay. When you're done... You've got something to stand back and look at. You're proud of. Not necessarily have to do exactly as I did, but the thing is, you have an experience. You want to photograph. You want to show right. it. You want to remember it. Right. right. So I used that same process. It's, I thought about the whole experience when I'm doing the instructions. I want this person to get all their expectations met as yeah, much right. as possible as I could. That's what it's always been about for me. Put as much possible detail that you can to meet and match just about every type of person or modeler type. So um, when you're doing your instructions and you're doing your entire kit and you're thinking about it as a, as a product now, not, not just as a piece of art in the future, a future piece of art, mm-hmm. um, did it excite you to think about like, uh, you know, the potential for each of these ones that you're, you're, you're going to be selling? Like, this could be better than what I even did or what I expect it to be. Um, as someone who, all of us are the same way, I think. As someone who appreciates even what other people do and the art of it, did you ever, while you're working on these, have you ever gotten excited about the prospects of people like just making it look even better than you expect it? Oh, I would hope they would. Yeah. And then he did. Um, I got really excited about, um, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Bob, uh, oh, she's got in Connecticut. <laughs> oh, I'll remember his name. Uh, uh, Doug Scully knows him. Bob Sackler? Uh, 
No, uh, Bob's a great guy. Um, <laughs> I remember. Anyway, he entered a radically altered version of my Delvar Tap and Die. Oh, and um, Bob Mitchell. National... Bob Mitchell. Yeah. 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 Oh, you have it on. Bob Mitchell. Yeah, you, Bob... you have another one of his You're works on. You're talking about Bob Mitchell when you bring up this topic. <laughs> you have another one of his work on your Bob website. Mitchell, stuff he does with my kids. Uh-huh. I think it's terrific. You have a oh, picture. He's, you have a, he's got the best rust techniques of, 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 I think I've ever seen. You have but, a photo uh, of his, another one of his works on your website, um, the millet, uh, what's it? Millet creamer. Yeah, yep. Yeah, you have you have that up on your site, um, millet, creamer, millet creamery, sorry. Uh, so he must have been really into your stuff there for a little while. Bob is a funny, oh, funny he's guy. He's an awesome guy, he's a too. funny guy. He's done some terrific work. And my, and my friend, uh, actually, I, I, I'm, I'm remiss not having kept kept up on the, like, you know, customer's models page. But, mm-hmm. uh-huh. but my friend Marzina is on there. He did kind of a radical paint job on my Threadwell textile. And, and Oh, yeah, I'm looking attached, at that now. Yeah, he attached, um, 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 was it, um, uh, wear knitters to it. He oh did yeah! A terrific shot. I was just, I was just down there uh, helping him get ready for, that's a, a, for an open house. That's September a unique and, style uh, there. That's a like a yellowy cream color with all that stonework. Oh, Mark's got an imagination. That's he awesome looking. Some pictures of a building you did, which is just sometimes phenomenal. sometimes people can go bold with models like that, and it looks really good. Yeah. And then other times I go bold with stuff like that, and I'm like, why did I do that? It looks why, like a turd when you're done. Why <laughs> did I do that? Yeah. You know, <laughs> it always seems like other people... You know, I mean, I'm going to have to repaint that. It always seems know? like when other people go bold on stuff, you're like, man, I wish I could do that. And then when you step outside the box, you're like, why did I do that? Why did I do that? <laughs> no, that one's that one looks really good, though. The Threadwell one. Well, he did. It, I mean, I say, don't be afraid. And 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 uh, Brett, when, when when I could see where your, where your question was going, I just I just started smiling because yeah. I, I I I tell people, and I know I do it much in instructions, but I try and tell them like I know I do when I do lectures or talks. This is like I said, don't don't treat me as the last word, right? And uh, yeah, treat me as yeah. I, well, my pride, my proudest things is when I see. That someone's built one of my kits as their first craftsman kit, right? And he'll he'll come out better than I can. <laughs> <laughs> but then they go off and they they use their imagination. They right. start changing yeah. things around. There's yep. a guy on railroad line from California who who did like a western theme layout with like almost all of my kits. Right. I forget his name too, um, but he's been on railroad line for him. He did some really imaginative stuff. Yeah. And a, a benefit for me on that, too, is when I can look and see what other people have done, it gives me some kind of, like, secondary, tertiary ideas on how to fit my dioramas into my layout. Right. Absolutely. Which, which usually means putting them to the bandsaw and a little of this and that. But, you know, <laughs> it works out. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we we got That's a couple off all that scenery. <laughs> we uh, before the show, we um, tonight do, we do, we got together. Oh, sorry, what's that, Brad? I was gonna say, do we want to wrap up with the patron questions here? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, because we got some patron questions from our some of our listeners. We asked them. Okay. We told me we were going to be on the show, and if we have any questions for you uh, to shoot them at us, and we, we're going to read some off to you. Do you have them, Brett? 
Yep, I have them up right now. I'll have you read them off to them, and so and we'll kind of get um, there. If you're not familiar with the show, Bob, each week when we have a guest, or even when it's just our own, with my dad and I, we have our patrons. Op- we open the floor up to the patrons where they can ask some questions to anybody. Um, so we have four of them tonight, and I'm just going to jump into them here. Uh, so Scott Horgan is asking, "What was your favorite build, and why?" Like you're, if you could pick one out of the history, I know this is going to be a tough one for you. We're going to have to get yeah, you on this one. But uh, yeah. what if you had to yeah. look back at something that you just remember, you remember like, man, I had a lot of fun with that one. What would it be? What would it be? Oh, God, that is so tough. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, mean, I mean, I love them all, you know? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they're like your babies, you I know? Can, I, can answer that. I can answer that in a little bit of a sideways. Man. Go for it. Um, well, for instance, um, I always think of this, uh, the, the sales mill kit number, number 260. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, of all the kits from that year, that's the one I sold the fewest of, but it's, I liked it more. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that weird that, how that is, huh? You know, before and after it. So. That one's got a neat little kind of answering it a bit. Yeah, it's kind of unpredictable. I, I I love the kit. I mean, I it's it's I I drew three kits on like vellum on eighteen by twenty four sheets, you know, architect style mm-hmm. perspectives, you know, elevations, the whole thing, and that was one of them. And uh, um, Whitensville spinning ring, I think, was another. I can't remember what the third one. Oh, was um, uh, Thorndike. Okay, so I did Thorndike first. And uh, sales was the last right, that I did, and uh, but um, each one is a labor of love. I mean, mm-hmm. you spend a year with something, you don't spend a year because, wow, at, you know, right? Like them, um, I would say, <laughs> I can't say dislike, but, but yeah, well, I would say eat- the roundhouse kits are like, <laughs> 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 you know, for their own particular, you know, what it did to my back. Yeah, know, right. I would say. Um, um, <laughs> well, and they and and the, each the roundhouse of, kits more resembled work than right, an accomplishment right, right. In, in a way, you know. And they each become um, kind of like your baby in a way, you know, like. Uh, each of them they is a, it's a little it's a brainchild of yours, you know. So yeah. uh, it's kind of hard to pick from that. But I like I like the sales mills. My favorite one of yours, and I'm going to just go off on a little side note here. As I was scrolling through here, you know, in the coming weeks up to the time we interviewed you today, my favorite of all the ones that you have on your site, as far as uh, kits you've made, is the Blackstone paper. I just. I'm in love yeah. with the Blackstone yeah. paper one. I don't know what it is yeah. about it. I, I don't. I think it's the little cupola that you yeah. have on it, and and yeah. I, I don't know what it is. I just that's like I, for me, I like that one. So yeah, and I'm I'm big on the uh, Martin. Oh, I was gonna say company. that one's good. The Martin oh, one's Martin beautiful. Machine. Yeah, but yeah, I like that one. Ah. They're all awesome. They're all all mills. You got so many mills. You're like a mill freak. I don't know if you know Jeff. I don't know if (laughs) Jeff Jeff Grove. Oh my gosh. (laughs) You know Jeff? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, Jeff, we had him on the show a couple times, and and, uh, he 
He talked about that. He loves Mills He's and the mill. General Stores. You and him are the Mill guys. Mills <laughs> and, and General and Stores. That's all he loves making news. And, uh, <laughs> and you go, uh, every time you turn around, Jeff's got another Mill out or another General Not now, store. though. He changed his style up a yeah. little bit. Yeah. It's just funny. Well, you can tell what you it's, like. It's hard not to. I mean, where I grew up, all this stuff. I mean, I spent... Yeah. I spent an hour yesterday uh-huh. in, 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 in the basement shop at was basically Del Bar Tap and Die. It's Orchard Equipment. Mm-hmm. And these are people I've known for years. I mean, they're like master fabricators and machinists, you know. And mm-hmm. we're just shooting the breeze about this and that. I brought over some equipment to have some welding done on. And uh, I said, this is, this is where I'm really at home. You know, this old masonry and and uh and these craftsmen and uh for me it's just always celebrating that um it's it's you know the history of you i'm big history freak you know industrial revolution Ah, we are and uh having all these places around here like just to to see them and and be able to sort of replicate them you know it's always been very gratifying <laughs> and every one of your and every one of your damn mills has a has a a dam or a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a damn dam yeah, and and they're beautiful you know and that is a great eye catching thing um to see that right. on those dioramas or I don't know if they're off your layout or where your photos are from but look I guess dioramas and um they are just spectacular with all the concrete and the stone and rock and everything else around them building up to it. Um, and I think that may lend into one of your questions, one of the questions we're going to throw you at you here. Um, yeah. And, I'm going to just uh, jump into the next one here then. Yeah. Are you that. ready? Uh, from Matt Hankins, yeah. many of the South River, South River Model Works kits emphasize vertical. How important is vertically making uh how important is vertical in making a great model scene so i think how, it's extremely important learning how to go a little higher than normal well i would call it playing with grade okay right um i had a lot of resistance to that um one of my ways to demonstrate that is uh with delabar tap and die my first kit and quite honestly, uh, a lot of people were kind of felt pushed away from doing that because it wasn't on a flat site. And I would say, well, geez, you know, not everything is in central Illinois, you know, where it's like dead flat. Certainly, I can say something like that because my wife's from there. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, um, Grade, it, I mean, you just take, I have these little illustrations and instructions, and it shows like a flat site, which is the bottom of the triangle, and take the hypotenuse, which is the slope, and guess what? It's more area, more area to build models. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can, you can, I mean, you see it's in Georgia's stuff a right, lot. Right, right. Use grade. I did eventually, you know, I, I made all my kits so that a person could have the option of making on a flat site or, you know, I wasn't going to push it. So like, you know, I mean, real arrogant about it, but, but, but great change is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I learned as a, as a landscape architect is all over the country, whenever you get people involved in design is they're, they're, you know, they're, they're removing 
soil. They're doing cut and fill. They're altering the shape of the land. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's all over the place. Even the littlest place, a, a road has a crown to it. It's not right. flat. Yeah, you have a, you have a camera these, on a road. Yeah. yeah. yeah drainage. Yeah. And But the thing about Delbar Tap and Die is that everyone, oh, my God, it was like six inches. <laughs> Change in grade, Matt, and the kit was one inch. Wow. Yeah, I put some slope below it. Yeah. But you, all you needed was one inch change. I say, well, you got a four by eight sheet for a layout. Surely you can find one inch of grade change. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you would think. By scale, the yeah. way the land, if you look at any land, even when you're living in whatever, the flattest part of the country, uh, it's it it's easy, it's easy to find if you're in the middle of, I don't know, name a flat state, you're in the middle of... Uh, uh, Oklahoma flat, whatever, yeah. and uh, you're still going to see variances in ground. Uh, so it's, it's very it's important to show that. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. The one thing yeah. I the one thing I don't like to see is when you and it's people need to learn, and I understand it's a learning process too. But when you just have 100 percent flat scenery, and it's it really takes yeah. away from yeah. the from the from the look of a building. It doesn't do it. Well, right. you know, it's, it's, it's a little relationship there to, like, you know, why masonry? Well, when you put masonry, okay, next to wood, you get contrast, you right. get interest, you get mm-hmm. believability. When you put buildings next to uh, land, which the shape is an altar, you get more believability. Right. It's just, you know, it just becomes more real. The eye doesn't right. have it's as hard of a time. with actually out there. Right. The eye, your eye and brain don't have a hard, as hard of a time processing what you're looking at to make it look realistic. It just seems to look more realistic because it's a natural shape. You know, it's, well it's, it's, it's unnatural yeah, to see it. It's unnatural to see everything flat as a sheet of glass. Exactly. Exactly. Especially it's, where we know, live in, in, in like, the East. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah, that, that's, that, that's a great question that he asked. And, and believe me, I could, I could probably just do a whole lecture series just, <laughs> just on that, on that question or, or that, 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 um, that item, you know, right. it gets, it, 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 it gets hard sometimes to help people build an awareness of it because man, I mean, some of the people, who, who get into the hobby, most people don't really get into it till like maybe in their thirties. Okay. And, and at that point you've already developed a lot of preconceived ideas. And quite honestly, we all kind of get a little resistant to more learning at that point. Uh-huh. You know, particularly anyone who's been through like high school plus college. Teaching old dogs. I don't want anyone tricks. telling me what to do anymore. <laughs> 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 I certainly sometimes feel like Yeah. But um, um, it gets harder to accept, you know, and, and, you know, things, you know, can be looked at a different way, you know, and learn how to do that. Uh, but that, that was a great question. It I, is. I, I love it. And, and it goes to the heart of uh, a lot of what I do. Well, and if you, if you knew Matt Hankins um, and how he builds, he has a couple modules he's done, and he does a module that we saw actually out at Timonium show, and he yeah. shows that relief in, in the ground. So, uh in, yeah, he, in, in he does his, good. his scenery that he built in his model, in his module, and the way he built his structures into it, definitely reflect that. Um, yeah. So it was fitting that question came from him. So next question is uh, a quick one <laughs> from Scott Perry. He's asking you uh, why 
is why are you releasing your final kit? And that is not allowed because um, you haven't made any O scale kits. He he works in a, a larger scale than ours, <laughs> and uh, he likes to throw that in there every now and then. So oh, he's saying like, when are you going to re- release your final kit? Which kit, which by the way, should be an O scale kit? Right. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'll, I'll just say you know that actually reminds me of something. I probably shouldn't say this. But um, I had considered, you know, doing some O-scale in retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I won't be doing any stuff for other reasons I, right, I won't yeah. go into. Right. Um, but um, um, I considered it. And I'd even, I'd even looked into someone that was re- going to be retiring or buying their their uh, O-scale detail business hmm. to help me along. But um, I totally forgot about this. I don't know where the stuff is in the shop. But you say you you you, you like uh, Blackstone? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You know the building there, uh, uh, Jack's Bar. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I did the front wall of that in O scale. There's a pattern. Oh somewhere. wow! Wow. Oh, that's. I thought cool. it would make a great O scale kit. Yeah. You know, just that just that building. I I I feel for the guy. It makes him feel any better. <laughs> um, I, I I have the whole suite of Carl Bromer's. <laughs> stuff from when he was still alive. Wow. CHB. <laughs> yeah. The scheme donkeys and all that stuff. Yep. And uh, I, I, I like other models too. In other right. Scales. I like one thirty second scale uh, right. plastic models, uh, World War One planes, stuff like that. That's awesome. The, the list goes on and on. Well, Scott, well Scott's a big I mean, HON30 guy, so he's our um, he's our larger scale modeler within our little group here. So, uh and that's a whole nother cool. That's a cool scale on its own. So there's a lot of stuff out there well, for that. Well, if he's an H O N three and T guy, tell him, or he'll probably hear on this on this on this on this uh, podcast, is that building the uh, Chama Coal Tower uh-huh. in H O scale. How I really learned how to do it was was looking at the O scale builds. Oh wow! On the internet, <laughs> <laughs> so it's almost impossible to find anyone who's who's gone gone the distance of building that thing. <laughs> in HO scale. It was such a job. I and cut my I, teeth I on camels. Oh my word! I, I had just so much respect for people change their scale after finishing. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I hope that answer helps him and, yeah. and tell him. Uh, well, he'll hear this. I I I, I love the question the way it was presented. Nice. Um, now I have one more, and it's from uh, Desi yeah. J. He's from Australia, so this is from the other side oh, of the world. Cool. It's actually summer there, so I'm a little jealous of him. But um, <laughs> me too. But he uh, doesn't gloat. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, when it's summer here, then he's down in the cold. So uh, yeah, he gets his. But um, <laughs> um, Dazzy is asking, what model tips would you have for a beginner craftsman kit builder? So if there's one or two like real fundamental things you could say to someone who's maybe trying to get into craftsman kit building because we have some listeners here that are starting out too uh in craftsman kit building what would you what would you provide to them and and i know craftsman kits can get intimidating for some people because when they've never built them or they've gone from from the the, the, the atlas plastic kit they look intimidating right you know right are you thinking like someone specific kits or a specific type? No, of kit? not for a specific oh, no, no. kit, but um, oh, no. you know, really, if you were able to 
tell somebody, maybe they're interested in, in one of your kit. kits or, or any kit, uh, any craftsman kit, if you're transitioning right. over, like what's a thing you would tell someone? Uh, For a beginner, just some good, like, good advice to get started. I, you know, I bought a new cra- I bought a craftsman kit. It's my first one. What are some tips you would give? Not in my repertoire, right? Right. Or no, well, I mean, in 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 craftsman kits in general. Well, well, back when I started yeah. out, we you know all the people. I used to tell people actually, because well, they're better at this. I told them, I told them to go out and buy a Campbell's kit. Yeah, get cut their teeth or, on that. Or or, or a um, what was that other manufacturer I mentioned? Um, Alexander Scale Models. Yeah, Alexander. probably Alexander Scale Models would be a little friendlier. Although Campbell's had a better has a better uh, head, you know, a better, right. uh, it's still around, a better variety right. of building, right. you know, to choose from. Mm-hmm. Basically, you know, there were so many out there at the time. I used to go through Walter's catalogs of, you know, kits for like between 20 to $35. Mm-hmm. That's where, where you should start. And, um, and you won't be upset. It, because you didn't spend two fifty on a you know on a kit or more, exactly, uh, and exactly. then be upset and and turned away from the process. Well, I always I always said, and then my, my friend Mark he used that my instructions put the sense or something. He said, uh, um, you know, for for an experienced builder or motivated beginner. Okay, it's always always kind of fearful of someone spending a lot of money, you know, not getting there. And occasionally it happens. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some people just, you know, they just weren't born to do it. Right. And you don't have to be born to do it. You can learn. Mm-hmm. Some people are not born to learn to do it. Right. And that, that happens. Some people what, aren't what, born what, to what, learn. What can I say? Yeah. <laughs> but um, um, I have a couple know, friends wood, like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wood wood kits. I would I would say for a masonry kit, uh, Jimmy Dignan bought Ed Plaza's one. Yeah. Yep. Yes. And and I think for like you know a a, a like four wall you know or six casting or whatever mm-hmm. uh, um, kit. Involving masonry, I would I would involve I would advise getting one of those. I want to make sure that I'm not selling one short because there's so many manufacturers out there. Well, I don't well, even ones work I don't like, you right. know, and there's new ones I'm not even aware of. Right, right. Um, you end up be isolated in the manufacturer sometimes. Jimmy, Jimmy no longer has that. He sold, I guess, Doug owns this now. Yeah. Ed Flies, and oh, he's okay. but even Doug's even planning to put those out. But even Jimmy has some wood kits that are ten, right. fifteen dollars, and yeah. and yeah. they're we've we've sent those out as prizes too, and they're 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 good uh, starter kits, you know, to kind of before you blow two, three hundred or more on a kit. Uh, that's huge. Right. You can get you can wet your feet a little bit with these smaller kits. Um, and I think Definitely one of the yeah. I think one of the main things to follow up with that question that Dazzy asked was, um, you know, if you've done if you've done some plastic kits and you're you're satisfied with them, uh, follow some people online and follow some of these guys you see uh, on on YouTube or pick up some books and some videos, watch some stuff of these guys doing it. And really, everyone is able to break things down into. If you break down these big kits, even the big ones like yours, or yeah. you know, you've put mm-hmm. a lot into them, but really. 
they're no different than the smaller kits that are 20, 30, 40 no. bucks. It, no, it's, it's just more. The pr- yeah. it's, it's just more. The, and, it's the process yeah. of breaking these down into small steps and not being intimidated by a large build and saying like, you know, if you if you turn this into a bunch of micro thing, a little bunch a bunch of micro models and then you think right. of your big giant build as a bunch of small steps, then you can still achieve that same result. Um, in the beginning, if you're intimidated by it, because it's really no different. It's just well, um, I do think there's you just have to break it down. I honestly think there's some quality differences on some of them. Well, uh, on a lot of them. That being um, but, that aside, you, we right. the, the the purchaser can't large, control that, right? And I think well, too, you know, you mm-hmm. well, you well, you brought sorry, but you brought up something which uh, I had forgot about is uh, um, when my kids start becoming like multi multi building kids. Yeah. And as it shows, and some talk to people, and I'd say, well, you know, uh, this kit. Uh, I'll just I'll just use one uh, for example. Um, one of my last kits. Um, oh, I forget what it's called. Kit number three seventy. Uh, um. Anyway, uh, there's three <laughs> buildings in it, and one's a Tucker and Cook multimedia. Tucker and Cook, right? So there is a four wall wood structure in that that sits up on on pilings, not a foundation. Then there's a four-wall masonry building. There's another little wood building attached to the main one. So it gives a good way for someone who has some skills right. to start building this kit and start seeing, get some familiarization with my way of writing instructions, stuff like that. So yep. I just kind of realized I was, I, was, I was putting that, you know, buy a small kit first mm-hmm. thing into my kits. Um, you know, all of them really starting probably around, uh, um, well, yeah, I would say starting around, uh, Blackstone, we're doing that, mm-hmm. but it became multi-building kits. Yeah. Right. And then you and, can think of it as start- three or four kits in one, in one thing. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, it was also, of course, a way of, you know, getting people to like, you know, they they could look at it and say, "Well, I can change the footprint. It's all around exactly you know, like him, and I can I have more space or I have less space, or you know, whatever." Or a different shape. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but um, definitely, you know, there's more the same plus more bumps and grinds. And right. Right. And a few more novelties along the way. Sure. And uh, I, I always like want to make these things that people could digest them. Right, right. <laughs> I don't want to overwhelm them. Don't want to get them. You know, Man, I got another favorite them. now. I just have another favorite as I was scrolling through. The <laughs> Del Bar- is it Del Barry? Del Barry? As the first one. That's his first, the first one. Del Barry Woolens. Well, I had two. I had two Del Bars. No, number three forty. Okay. Yeah. That yeah, one I is like a, that one a nice. That is a nice building. Yeah, so, yeah, that that that's pretty. Strong. They're all my favorite. So I have to ask. <laughs> this is my. This is that was the last of the patron questions. I have to ask one last question of you of of mine personally. You have a lot of cupolas in your building in your kits. Right. Is that something that you grew up around having seeing now a lot of, or is it a is it oh, yeah. something that you just enjoy seeing in architecture? I, I I see it a lot with yours, and Jeff Grove has a lot of them too. We actually talk with Jeff I about that. I see it on a lot of the mills. Okay. And uh, yeah. certainly in the Black, the Blackstone Valley up here, you know, you see you see a lot of that. Yeah. Sure. 
So it's uh, it's something that you're familiar with and you emulated in your yeah. buildings. I like seeing well, you know, I was just, I just made a mold of uh, um, up until about oh let's see uh, my my small urethane parts were made by uh, Frank Zuber mm-hmm. he had Berkshire Valley and uh, all the molds got destroyed and I just managed to find some patterns so I'm making I made a mold of all my cupola parts and uh, just I want to just mention give a little plug uh, Darren Ladon of Railscale Miniatures yeah oh yeah 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 Dario, wonderful stuff. He came to me when I decided, like minutes after I decided to like sell my my metal casting stuff, mm-hmm. and um, I just it was a really good fit. It would have been him, or it would have been um, um, Doug and um, what's his name? Um, oh, jeez, Jimmy. Oh uh, no, no. no? Um, how Reynolds? Oh, how? Oh, how? Yeah, Reynolds. absolutely. Yeah, it, 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 it was not the right time financially to do it. They, they had discussed it, but at exactly the right. same time, Dario came and said, I got the money. This is what I'd like to pay you, which happened to be exactly what I wanted. Right. But um, he has he has metal castings for parts of that, so I thought, gee, you know, I should, I should, um, yep. I should make him some patterns mm-hmm. of the other mm-hmm. parts and send them to him. So he doesn't know this yet. He's getting a present. Oh, nice. Well, he does of the European parts. <laughs> Rail skill now is uh, he sold that to uh, Stephen Miley. Um, sold the business? Uh, was yeah, that RDA? Real? No, are, are you talking Rail scale models? No, no Rail scale miniatures. Rail scale miniatures and Rail scale models is different. Oh, okay. Yeah. My bad. My bad. You're good. <laughs> yeah. We're all good. So, D- all right. Dario is uh, just a little plug of Dario. Real good fit between the two of us. His stuff is very unique, like mm-hmm. mine. And uh, but you know he's he has a really good job. He's like a construction manager for his energy company. Oh wow! And uh, so he can like you know buy stuff like three D model or equipment and all that. And he knows how to use it. Right. And uh, that's a really good example of how you know to do what he does. And he may come out with a new kit every two years or something. It's, mm-hmm. You know, you can do that to have a full-time job. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, his are like mega kits, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and they're, they're beautifully done. Yeah. Uh, but we turned out to be a really good fit, him and me. But uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to keep thinking, like, you know, what did they not give him that he could use? <laughs> and he didn't buy the business, just the, you know, the castings. And, sure. But some of them don't make sense unless you have the parts to go with it. And I thought, well, he's got to have the cupola tops yeah. and the bases. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also an exercise I love doing uh, for, for um, oh, geez, I mean, the, the cupola top for Blackstone. I just got out the master pattern for that in solid aluminum. I did it all in a milling machine. Oh, wow. And it's all these recurves where I had to use like ball mills and then the opposite of a ball mill and index it, you know, every 60 degrees or whatever I did to do it. And that's just eight sided. So it's every what, 45 degrees. And uh, those kind of exercises I really enjoyed doing. Someone once asked me, or sometimes people say, what are you? What do you do? And oftentimes I would say, I solve problems <laughs> every day. Because yeah. everything in, in developing a kit is it's a problem solving. And I mean yeah. problem like in a bad way. 
problem solve in a good way. It's a challenge. Right, right, and exactly. I, and I love meeting it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and we, we had, um, uh, back in October also, besides uh, George, we had Brett Gallant on, and he said oh, yeah, the same yeah, thing yeah. about pro- problem solving uh, as well with his uh, with his business. And, and that's, that's what you do. I mean, it's all part of business as well, in my opinion. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you can't stuff. run a successful business if you're not willing to work the problems out and and uh, and make your make your product the best quality it can and the best service it gives your customers. And uh, yeah, well, I'd say to anyone starting out in this business, you gotta do that. You know how many people I come have come up to me and like just want me to like just mm-hmm. give them everything about how this is done. Mm-hmm. Right. Then they won't learn there's, there's, there's really no secrets. And a lot of stuff I did keep close to my chest. But I say to myself, you know, I said, I did all this stuff myself. Right. I, I didn't go to hardly anyone. Right. And uh, because it all started, you know, when I started out laying up clabberds by hand when I was sure. eight years old. And uh, that's where it comes from. I, I'm sure with George, it's the same thing. You yeah, know? Right. You can you can see in all of George's processes and his designs and stuff mm-hmm. that all came from him. Right, right. Yeah, well, uh, something else. Yeah, yeah. Now, when you ran your when you ran your business here, and um, you were making kits all the time like that, did was it a one man show or did you have employees or? Always one man. Oh, okay. Wow. Um, the, the only the only person is this woman who's helped. She helped me pack. Well, okay. Uh, er, early on, I tried to get help with casting. I actually right. lost like seven eight hundred pounds of plaster right. over to this this other outfit. They were gonna, they were going to be manufacturing kits and stuff. And they had all this floor space. So, oh, you know, bring your molds. In this we have this woman. She'll do castings <laughs> for you. And I got these castings. They're all wet. They're warped. They have these uh, back. I ended up throwing it all away uh, and that was my experience with outsourcing right it was it was short and not very sweet <laughs> we asked george that question that same question about about uh, doing it and he said that he and when he started he had his mom and dad helping him work <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he had his family there doing it with him and, oh, and uh you know and, and that's and that's cool because um you know you, you're yeah. working with what you have and yeah and it's a good way to cut you know it's just all very expensive people don't realize you know the the, the miler does they, they go oh well that's an expensive kit well you know what it is <laughs> however how many hundred i figure i just put the baxter's uh, building supply kit together from from uh, from George just uh, just finished it last week and I went and sat, kind of looked at the hours and I bet I spent 140 or 130 or 140 hours building the thing and and there you know you for that for that price when you break it down and then break it down to the cost of seeing a movie uh, for 20 bucks <laughs> uh, you know for my entertainment value um, think about- it, it's it's, it's amazing you're getting, you're paying for like, like every time I sit down for uh, each hour, it's cost me a dollar or two. But think about you know? this too. Every single part that's in a South River, South River kit right. or any of these kits, you know, right. um, the, the time involved with that, that's why they, that's why you're paying what you right. are. It's not every single kit and every single piece of every kit. There's right. manual labor involved with that. So absolutely, you know. absolutely. Well, I, I mean, would say that the 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 
the um, um, comment you made about entertainment value yes. yeah. is I haven't said that in a while. And I used to say that a lot. And that is a really good way to put it. And uh, oh, where one else, more thing. Where else I mean, are you going to get did, that I've kind been of really value. remiss in, 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 in like help and not mentioning my wife. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, All of our wives. Yeah. Well, not just, you know, you know, first your support. That's the most important right, thing. Right. And it took, actually took some convincing. I said spending mega bucks on equipment. But she finally, you know, saw the light on that. But yeah. the, 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 in the, when I started metal casting, mm-hmm. um, it's a lot of work. Sure. And uh, Elaine did, my wife's name is Elaine, and she did, she's always had done all the de-sprewing. Right. Oh, wow. And, you know, that works. You spin cast, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta yep. sprue, and you pull out of the mold, and I'd pull them out, and just mention, you know, George has a, has a manual machine. Right. Well, with a semi-automatic machine, I can go, I can turn out four times as many sprues wow. in the same time. In fact, the molds get so hot so fast yeah. that I'd have four sets of molds I'd be running. 24 wow. molds I'd run sets of six. Oh. And I'd run six for like six times or five times, whatever it was. They mm-hmm. get too hot, I'd run the next set and I'd rotate them around. And Elaine would just sit at this table and, you know, with a glove on and, and de-screw all these parts and spec them. Yeah. And uh, we'd do like you know in a few weeks we'd do seventy eighty thousand parts. Gee, right. oh my word! So so anyone that's got I one know. of those kits, you know, she's had her hands on that. You know, any of the metal parts. Absolutely, that's awesome. <laughs> and uh, she just did a fabulous job. I mean, yeah. I I never had anything come back from me. <laughs> working. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah. she's a great teacher, so, you know, right. teachers take their responsibility so, sure. very seriously. What grade did she teach? What did she teach? I know we're getting off topic well, here. Well, she started out as a special ed teacher. Okay. And uh, she did her master's work at Northeastern in, uh, in Boston. Hmm. And she did some pretty heavy-duty clientele for wow. many years. And as, as she spent some 32, three years of being teaching. About half the time of that was in special ed, and then she went segued into just elementary. Okay. Right. The, the, the time that she did it was about as long as someone can last. It, wow. It's a real burnout job. Yeah, yeah my wife's <laughs> yeah, a teacher, so I was just asking. Days. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a hard, hard job. Yeah. Uh, tremendous amount of respect for, for what she's done. Yeah. Uh, not many people could have done it. Yeah. Well, well, wow. uh, teaching. And then, and then and working in your husband's shop. In the well, yeah, coming home and then having, to, having to deal with you off. then, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> has, she ever tried, has she ever tried to model? You know, we've talked about it, you know, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, doing some painting and stuff. She's a really good artist, too. Right. She, she, she's got the skills. There's right. no doubt about it. And I just want to, I don't want to give a plug for women. Can I take a few minutes to do sure. that? Sure. Yeah. Oh, my Because we need, we need more in the hobby. Agreed. Uh, there's a model. I can't remember his last name. His first name is Jason, but his wife does the weather on the buildings. And geez, she's good. These are people closer to my age. And she's just started doing this. I get my spiel about people getting older, not being able to learn something. Well, she's just like <laughs> natural for doing it. Right. I mean, but um, also, is um, we need more women in model railroading. Oh, yeah. I don't, and um, I don't know if you know, um, one of our best and most greatest like ambassadors is over in England. That's Kathy Malat. 
Oh my and, gosh! Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, she, she has a, on one of her her, her YouTube videos on uh, on static grass, she's got two hundred thirty five thousand something like views. She's got over thirty thousand subscribers. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Probably, probably people more know about her more know more about her than me. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, and she's just contributed a tremendous amount, and she's still a very young person, you know. So I'm looking forward to seeing a lot more from her, and I hope you know some more women because they're very talented. They're great at 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 design, painting, weathering, you name it, you know. And I probably wouldn't want to be so into the, like, the electronics, you know, and the vagaries of correct switching, you know, right. and stuff like that. But, um, uh, as but a from the art person, side of it. Boy, oh, oh, terrific, terrific. And uh, uh, w- women would be more likely to notice the thing about, like, a, the grade matters, you know, mm-hmm. and elevation, stuff like that. I, I, I found that. And uh, uh, anyway, I... I, I Done with my spiel. No, that was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we agree. And uh, yeah, uh, one more thing about um, can I can I put a little plug about future of the hobby? Go for it. Oh yeah, this is our favorite yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, I I pondered it, and uh, one thing you know, being here and kind of like semi isolation, you know, all these years, you get a little, you know, like what's going on, and of course, you know, I see a lot of people you know, maybe have a decade more to a million, you know, they're, they're disappearing. Right. And uh, I've seen layouts taken down and people say, I've heard people saying the hobby's dying. And I say, you know, bullshit, you know, what the whole word there. Right. <laughs> yeah. Bullshit. And, uh, that's, that's not true. You know, I mean, people love worlds in miniature. When I moved down in Maryland and DC area, I used to go to the Smithsonian, Almost every weekend, I was doing a commuter marriage. We still had a house in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. I'd fly up every two weeks. And um, you go to the modeling displays, and that's where the crowds were. Victoria Albert Museum in, in, in London, that's where all the people are, you know, the model. Right. You know, that's the stuff they love. And th- there's, there's a site you, you'll have to look at somewhere. Um, I found a um, Japanese modeler. Doing and okay, military modelers, people really ought to follow them. They know the stuff, but he's doing kind of in that scale, you know, like one twenty fourth or one thirty second, little like one foot by one foot or eighteen inch square scenes, and they're like crazy stuff, like like a uh, uh, somewhere in Lebanon just been car bombed or something. You yeah, know, be a Mercedes with bullet holes in it. And, bags of garbage and stuff like that. Those guys are amazing. Realistic. Well, this guy took his stuff. He's, he also has a rock band. And what he did is he photographed he's got these guys playing on a green screen and superimposes them on his diorama. <laughs> Over one and a half million hits in a year. Jeez. Oh, my. Modeling is not dead. No. Modeling will always be here. And to that extent, I mean, the future of what's happening now, people may get a little less in the steam. Port of Los Angeles, 1990-ish, Model Railroad Magazine. Mm-hmm. Turning point. Yeah. Real turning point. Modern okay. scenes, modern buildings with weathering and a little crustiness to make them look realistic. Mm-hmm. I saw also a demonstration by Paul Dolkos. This is a guy well into his 80s. 
amazing photographer for Model Railroad magazine and amazing modeler. He's totally into that. He knows this stuff. Can and, can you guys uh, hear me? Yeah. Yeah, you've been on this whole time. I, I, I'm sorry I lost you guys because I, I got my my laptop that I work off of. The battery went down and it went black. And we didn't I lost lose you. Sound. We didn't lose okay, you. Cool. Well, you were good. You're good. Did you hear me swearing in the background? No, then? you're good. You're good. Oh, unfortunately, no, we didn't. We, you're not to edit that. Unfortunately, <laughs> we did not catch that. <laughs> okay, good because it was it was not good. It no. was not. It, it was off our parameters for uh, language. <laughs> no, unfortunately, yeah. we missed that part. But uh, uh, yeah. no, Bob was just telling us, you know, where he sees modeling going, and I agree with you, Bob. Uh, and I, one of the I, great women modelers that he was talking about when I when oh I man, had, you really dropped off lost, way long ago. Holy cow! Well, <laughs> is, uh, and I'm sure Bob knows them. Is the Hunters uh, Rick and Marine Hunter? Yes, and, yeah, uh, heard the names. Yeah, yeah. And from Hunter Hunterlines Hunterline uh, stains and such, and, um, and Marine builds those bridges uh, at the shows, and it is absolutely just amazing her talent that she has when she builds those. Uh, it's just insane. Oh yeah. Uh, well, but, uh, you know, you are seeing a lot where husband and wife teams mm-hmm. like that. That's yep. good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt there. I know. No, I'm, it's I'm, all good. Oh, no, 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 no. We transitioned over into no where we see the hobby going, and I think oh, it's something okay. that um, you and I both agree with. There's a lot. There are so I, many people. I think it's exploding right now. So many people online, and I think, like Bob said, there's so many military modelers and yep. other types of modeling that you know you and I follow, and Bob apparently follows, uh, mm-hmm. that, are, oh, yeah. that are just in all inspiring and it's those techniques we could take and reapply them. And we have done that on our own work. We reapply them for what we work on and, and, and vice versa. So, um, I'm glad you put that in there, Bob, because that's a very important thing. And we've always advocated for it, that it's not dying. And the people that say it's dying are kind of the people who don't understand where it went. They just don't understand that it's now, they just don't understand that the community shifted to a more, it's it's all social. It's all online. People are sharing their work, which is awesome. The fact that people can get online and share. I can build something tonight and put it online on a forum or on Facebook or wherever or on, on my website and share everything I'm doing to anyone that wants to see it. And you can create a blog for free and 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 kind of you know catalog or or take notes of all of your work that you've ever done. A lot of people do that too on their layouts and they make a mini website for their layouts. The fact that you could do that now is just amazing to me. So we can share everything we're doing and that's just where the hobby shifted um, right. just to the digital side. So yeah, it, and but it's, all this stuff is good. You know I mean? Oh, it's, it's amazing. Like, you you got to move forward yeah. and right. uh, uh, keep your eyes open. I mean, I'm really looking forward to going to the show oh, Springfield yeah. in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just awesome. I mean, for years I was there, all I saw was between my booth and the men's room. Yeah. And finally. <laughs> finally, you're going to get yeah. to explore a little it bit. Stinks. It stinks when you can't get up and walk away from your booth and you have to stand. Well, we did a we did the last that last Timonium show we were talking about, and we sat at our table, and we modeled in front of the – we built Brett one on one side of the table, me on the other side of the table, and uh, we had all the other craftsmen kit people around us, and we were building the entire time and had people there in front of us watching us build. 
and um, and asking us questions and and everything else. And we loved it. It was great. We were getting to talk to other modelers who were finding a fascination. Some people never did craftsman modeling. And um, and they were there watching thing, and that's just awesome. They were you know leaving there and going and buying kits, and but till we were all done, I didn't get to see the show. I mean, because yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. they're all day long at that table. I go, I get to, I didn't get to go have enjoy it, you know. But um, it's it's neat sometimes to just go to the show itself and walk around, you know. Well, it's so neat to finally do that, you know. I, I tell people. You know, when I ask about my business at one of these seminars I do, mm-hmm. I say, be careful about turning your hobby into a business. Right. I mean, the, 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 the opportunities I've lost, I mean, I, start, I started looking around for stuff. You know, I, you know, I've been getting serious the last couple of years about getting out of my layout. And then mm-hmm. just in this interval, you know, between like 2000 and 2012 or something, you know, mm-hmm. all these kit manufacturers came and went. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they had stuff I wanted. Now their stuff is like, if it shows up on eBay, you got to grab it. You you know, and I, I missed all this stuff. <laughs> and you got to pay $600 for it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Geez, geez. How does that happen? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, man, I, I, in fact, that's funny. We just said that. I was at the, uh, at the last show we went to. I, for uh, Doug Pascali built this JJ Hollander's uh, boxing gym and I saw it on his website a few years back and I almost bought it and then he stopped selling it anymore. It went out, he took it out of production and he couldn't get it no more. I even asked him, I even on the show here, I even asked him, Hey, how about you make, how about you get on the laser cutter and burn me one? Right. You know? And um, <laughs> he goes, no, I can't do that. I can't do that, man. I can't do that. So, but whatever. And, uh, so I found one and I jumped on it, but I had to wait like three years and now I'm paying twice the price of it because, you know, it's out of production. And, oh, exactly. uh, and I waited exactly. and I waited and I shouldn't have waited, you know, but, well, I didn't even know this stuff. I had my nose stuck in the work table all these years oh, yeah. and, you know, yeah. and then, and this, it, it, you know, stuff is like, I'm missing it. Actually, I had, I, Doug gave me a JJ Hollander. Oh, did he? <laughs> and it is the it, it kit I'm going to build. It's oh, yeah. The fourth kit I ever built. I just started and, last night. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, I, I, I like, you know, the funny thing is, is it's, it's maybe my favorite kit of his. It's one of his <laughs> earliest, but, but I just love it. But he's, I know, I do a lot of stuff to Doug's I like. It's, <laughs> it's one of his recent ones. Or he's his, um, his, him and Hal Reynolds, you know, mm-hmm. are, uh, I should mention. I think I think Hal's incredibly talented. Oh yeah. And uh, although Hal's been smart enough to keep you know the whole thing at a you know at a not not get it you know beyond the low boil or something below right, that. Right. You know? Right. Right. So he's having fun. You know, he's right. not doing so much. You know, he he could end up doing a lot more if he wanted to. Right. right? I think he's got a sense of proportion built in. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, he's yeah. doing it in a manageable and, uh, I used way. To, I used to be next to him and 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 Dave Freire at the uh-huh. show every year. So <laughs> you know, I, I've interacted with both of them a lot. Oh yeah, and yeah. Uh, uh, we had them both just, on the I show together. Huh? We had them on as guests together on our show this summer. Uh, well, That's it was that uh, wasn't it with those two. Yeah. Yeah, it was just awesome. It, it was like story time, and you just sit there and listen to them. You know, it was just great. Oh yeah, yeah. And it was yeah. like that it's tonight like with crew. you as well, by the way. 
And we, we loved it. You know, that was great. This is like old legendary stuff. And we love it. Oh, so, for sure. And, and we're going to well, wrap I'm really up glad here. To share it. Okay. We're gonna, okay. But, but yeah. we'd like to have you on again, and uh, sure. at some later date, and um, you know, not too distant date, but and, and talk more about the tech. Now we've covered the history part of things, but we'd like to mm-hmm. talk some of the, your some techniques technique, yeah. and tips and things on model building and your structure. Sure. Uh, more about you know, more about you and your build your building style versus uh, right, just your the history of everything as well. So right. Okay. The art okay. side of it, yeah. 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 No problem. I'd love to share it. But yeah, we're, I, mean, I have nothing to hide. We can plan for that in the future. <laughs> and awesome. I have a ball tonight, and we're, we, we're, cu- we're, we're, uh, we're coming up on two and a half it. hours. So, yeah. uh, this so, will be officially the longest podcast. I think it might be our longest in, episode, yeah. In, in, oh, really? Out of 108. Is this yeah. 108 or 109? 109. Yeah, one hundred nine, oh and this is the longest one. The other one was Dave Ferrari. He was uh, he was about two hours. <laughs> he was so. up here. He was up there. Yep. yep. So, uh, well, you guys have to come up here sometime. Obviously. Oh yeah. yeah well, I'm, great. I'm down with that. We so. may be up. Are you in the Are you in the Massachusetts area? I'm in Western Massachusetts. Okay. Okay. And uh, yeah. Um, actually, you know what we should do is. Uh, the appropriate way to do a visit up here because we're in this part of the state is to see me and Dick Elwell. Oh, that'd, well, be, that'd awesome. be amazing. Yeah. That would be, every kid, I would, that'd be a trip I'd love guy. to do. In fact, you could do a whole, even more of a show about just the friendship between me and Dick. I oh, mean, that would it's be. Like, in fact, I'm going to leave you with a little segue. Go for that. it. It's something you can read. Okay. And Dick's been on the cover of all the magazines many oh, yeah. times. No, oh, yeah. yeah. January 2012, Railroad Model Craftsman. Mm-hmm. He's on the cover of that. And the article, there's a big part of it that's about the both of us and our friendship. Lou Sassy said he thinks it's the best article he's ever seen written. And uh, I give the credit to that, to Dick being Dick, you know, not to <laughs> me, but... I mean, the, fr- the fact that, you know, we're friends is due to him and his, his outgoing, just wonderful, wonderful <laughs> sharing nature. Yeah. You know, he's been a, a true friend, you know, between him and, and my friend Mark. And, and I spent a lot of time with Scott Mason, you know, oh, and yeah. others, you know, it's just sure. so many people who've been really, you know, good to me over the years. Yeah. And, uh, well, how about um, but, we try and, that, how about we try and get the two of you on together? Hmm. You think he would do it? To convince you to, he might. He might. <laughs> Just he tell might, him how much you know. fun it was we'll, and how easy. We'll, but, we'll talk some more about that. Just yeah, yeah, yeah so, sure. It's another but, date. Another date. Like, we, yeah. love our, yeah. we love to put our guests right on the hot. <laughs> <laughs> put them on the hot spot. Yeah. Yeah. Let's Boom. just put you on the spot. There you go. But, uh, <laughs> I'm, 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 a, I'm a planner, so I don't always say yeah. <laughs> no, but at the least, it'd be awesome to get you back on here in the – short term here to get you to talk about just some some more of the art side of it because i feel like we have a whole side of it we haven't even touched yeah. yet yeah for, so. yeah oh definitely definitely, definitely. So. And, and, uh, we can talk some more about it i mean if you, if you have access to some of the kits you might look through some of the instructions and stuff and yeah. you might have some questions about where did this come from where did that definitely come from? definitely thank you very much for being on the show and i appreciate your time tonight bob it's, and, and well, thanks, uh, thanks for inviting me equally. 